This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know. The answers. I believe the president would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off you on piece these of dog crap. And, uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we've said, you can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un has arrived in Russia's Far East by armored train, there for a meeting with President Vladimir Putin. They're expected to talk about supplying arms to Russia for its war in Ukraine. And the way these things work, Kim will likely want a few things in return. Kim Jong-un's arrival in Russia marks an incredibly rare trip for the leader of one of the world's most isolated nations. This widely expected one-to-one between Kim and the Russian president uh, comes as Vladimir Putin himself becomes increasingly isolated on the world stage. What keeps you up at night? Migrants. Mm. Issue. Wow, right off the top. Migrant issue. And it's not the migrants. What we're doing to the migrants... It is wrong. Um, The precursor to sleep that allows us to experience the American dream is the right to work. There's nothing more tragic than having people come to this country and say you can't provide for yourself. When I spent the night in a migrant shelter and spoke to migrants, they said, we don't want anything free from you, Eric. We just want to work. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers' 2023 season is over four snaps into the season. CBS Sports confirms Rodgers has a torn left Achilles tendon. He is out for the year. Well, let me tell you right now, Sid, I'm going to stun everybody because I am pumped up, okay? What? I don't want to hear the Jet fans all freaking crying, okay? This is a good football team, and I understand they lost the quarterback. I get it. This defense, they went out there and they kicked Buffalo's ass in the second half. This is a good football team. And you know what, bro? There's no reason this team can't still win the division and go out there and make the playoff. Tributes all the time to artists who are celebrating a birthday or a heavenly birthday. Today happens to be Eddie Money's heavenly birthday, and I miss him a lot, man. This is a great song. In fact, make this louder. 
Let's kick ass on a hump day, turn up the towers Wednesday morning. Any money, take me home tonight. When did uh, we lose Eddie Money? How many years ago was that? Lou Rafino, the great Lou Rafino, wrong way Lou, as Curtis now refers to you as. When did we lose Eddie Money? Four years ago, 2019. Four years ago. How old? Uh, Eddie was uh, not very old, I don't believe. 70. I mean, he looked terrible, though. Oh, he's, I know. Really He's terrible. a rough-looking guy. Boy, I know. <laughs> I was trying to find good pictures of him. No, no. It was a while. He's a rough-looking guy. Yeah. But, uh, the album covers are okay, but those are way back <laughs> for Eddie. But he was so good. In fact, uh, I've got three or four songs uh, we're going to play today from Eddie Money on this heavenly birthday. Good morning, everybody. 6.08. It's a rainy Wednesday, unlike the last two days where I got my July tan back. I got a lot of sun the last couple of days. I was on my uh, roof deck yesterday for about three hours and just tanning myself. I just fell asleep. It was it was breezy, wasn't very humid, and I loved it. So um, today's not going to be that type of day, but Thursday and Friday will be. So rain today, a little dark and gloomy, but uh, we're here to make your day brighter. How many days are they going to spend uh, on Michelle Boone? Really, God rest her soul. I knew when I told I you mean, that. I mean, I don't think John F. Kennedy got this type of... Uh, I mean, God bless her. It's a horrible story. 48 years old. Poor lady died of cancer. I mean, I couldn't stand her. I, I agreed with nothing that she uh, appreciated. She loved BLM and she loved AOC and all that garbage. So, but I'm still sorry she's dead, but my God, every time I look at New York One, they're remembering Michelle Boone. <laughs> it's really... I mean, is she like Walter Cronkite? I shouldn't laugh. It's just every time I, I mean, look. It's right or wrong? Am I wrong? Well, look at what's going on. They have this big band. Oh, they have a and... whole thing going on. I mean, I got to tell you, I watch New York One a lot, a lot. And over the years, I've become friendly with Shannon Ferry. She's a good kid. And uh, the other one, I forgot her name already, beautiful girl. She went to Channel 5 and ended up doing... Some uh, anchoring stuff, but she did the uh, the traffic stuff on New York One, and she was also the Islanders girl for oh, a couple of years. Right, I know who you're talking. Beautiful about girl, that. great yes. girl, and um, so I watch it, you know. And then I got uh, interested in that lawsuit because all the older ladies at New York One sued New York One because they were being taken off the air for the young talent. And uh, you know, I see this uh, racist Errol Lewis, racist bastard. He's on there all the time, and. Former Nick Great, Dean Meminger. Great may be a stretch, but his son is on there. And Elise Zwick. Elise yes. Zwick, yeah. Beautiful. Great girl. Great girl. So I watch it, and um, and I saw Michelle Boone every now and then. And, and again, she, you know, her uh, politics nauseated me. Um, same racist nonsense that we see all the time. But um, I had no idea she was this beloved. Did you know him? Did you know that Michelle Boone was this beloved? You know, by fellow reporters, she really was. People, when they would run into her in the streets, give her a big hug. She was loved. Yeah. I wouldn't have given her a big hug. I'm just telling you. <laughs> well, what if she came up to you and said, yeah. Sid, She I... would never come up to me. She hates me. You know, I was having this discussion yesterday with, uh, you know this girl, Brielle Tomasetti? She works on Channel 5. She's a reporter. 
during Rosanna Scotto's show, Brielle. Nice girl. And um, she's a fan of mine. She's on my Instagram page. You can follow me at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And we were talking about how a kid who made it big from Brooklyn, which is all, you know, Good Day New York is all about the local stuff, you know. Here's a Brooklyn kid who went to jail twice, rehab twice, was voted least likely to succeed back in, you know, uh, grade school. And now hosting the number one show, not just in New York City, but to be honest, one of the most important shows around the country in a brand new movie, a brand new TV series, two books out. I speak to everybody from President Trump to Eric Adams. This week alone, you talk about sports. This week alone, Bernie Kosar, Bill Sims, Mike Piazza, and today, Joe Namath. And yet, I can't get on Channel 5. And she was asking me why. And I said, they hate me. There is somebody, not only somebody, there's a bunch of people there, some liberals, and uh, they've decided I'm uh, to the right of Rush Limbaugh, even though I'm pro-choice, pro-choice, and pro-gay marriage. When it comes to social issues, I'm a liberal guy. Don't try to sell me transgender stuff. I'm not buying that. But for the most part, I'm a liberal guy. But yet, there are people there that hate me. And I'm never getting on. Lou Leone runs the station. He loves me. He loved Bernie, too. Well, maybe they heard that day you were yelling mega dittos 80 times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe that's true. You're right. So Anyway, uh, God rest in, uh, rest your soul, Rochelle Boone, and we're all going to miss you. Uh, Noam, <laughs> I was, asked you. <laughs> that was really from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> At least I said something nice about that's, it. That's good. You think Boomer Esiason is going to mention Michelle Boone this morning? No. I don't think so. Don't think right, so. so give me a break. <laughs> that's good. You can be part of the New York One-like tribute. <laughs> you know, I was uh, channel surfing last night, and I came across the biggest douchebag on television. Although he looks good. He's got a nice goatee, Chris Cuomo. He's a handsome guy. And he was talking about this convict that I asked you about yesterday, Noam, that escaped from Pennsylvania. Now he's got a gun. Right. He's got a car. And uh, they shut down the schools, as they should, because this guy's armed and dangerous. And I don't know how it's gone on for almost three weeks. I mean, this is making the Pennsylvania police look awful that they can't get this guy. What is the latest with this convict now armed roaming the woods in Pennsylvania. You know, they had, said they thought a perimeter that they thought he was in, and now overnight they changed that perimeter, so giving you the thought that they really have no idea where he might be. They thought he was confined to one certain area by some of the actions he had taken. He had stolen a truck, and he had abandoned a truck where he stole that gun from, that open garage, and uh, now it's clear they may not have much of an idea where he is and there are people making accusations saying this is bumbling police but they pushed back against that yesterday saying hey you come here and try to find him we're doing everything we can we have everybody working I don't care on this what case. they say that's bumbling this is an, a complete embarrassment complete embarrassment you've got helicopters you've got 500 cops you've got all these people and this guy is able to elude you every step of the way it's not like he's been killing people now look i know there's been rumors that he's part of a of some you know, crime, uh, I guess, family out of Brazil. Maybe they're protecting him. Maybe his sister is protecting him. So according to uh, some of the rumors, he's been getting help here on the outside. But there's no way, no matter what they say, this is not a blemish 
an embarrassment for the Pennsylvania police. There's well, no way. Yeah, to tell you that how much of it is, is the you had the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, yesterday holding a press conference. He's, to, another, he's another dickhead. But to, to, to defend the cops, saying that he believed in them and he trusted that they were doing everything they well, can. That's nice. But meanwhile, you there they are warning people in this wide perimeter to lock their doors, to um, you know make sure the windows are closed in their house because there's no sh- sign of him. No. And he's tiny. I, you know, he's only five feet tall and he weighs 120 pounds. So he's a small little guy. And the thought is maybe he's dressing up a different way. We've seen pictures of him on doorbell cameras. It looks like he has his hair cut. Uh, maybe he has a disguise. He's called some former co-workers of his and asked for help. And those co-workers, you know, were on the phone going, and where he called from, where he got the phone, we don't know. But they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got off the phone and called police to let them know that they had got received a call from him. So he was, he's definitely calling people looking for help. Not clear if anybody has been helping him, but of course those people would be in a heap of trouble if they had. All right. Thank you, Nolan, for that. Of course, the biggest story today outside of Aaron Rodgers locally is Kevin McCarthy, the Leader of the House, the GOP leader, announcing uh, the impeachment inquiry against President Joe Biden yesterday. If you missed it, here is the audio. Kevin McCarthy, time to get Big Joe. Cut number one. I am directing our House committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden. This logical next step will give our committees the full power to gather all the facts and answers for the American public. That's exactly what we want to know, the answers. I believe the president would want to answer these questions and allegations as well. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. In this next cut, Kevin McCarthy actually encourages the big guy, Sleepy Joe, Crooked Joe Biden, to cooperate. Kevin McCarthy, Lewis, cut number two. Now, I would encourage the president and his team to fully cooperate with this investigation in the interests of transparency. We are committed to getting the answers for the American public. Nothing more, nothing less. We will go wherever the evidence takes us. And McCarthy, like the rest of us, are absolutely confident that this charisma in the Ukraine, which paid Hunter Biden a lot of money, that went down because of Joe Biden's VP status And Joe used his office, if you will, to make sure Hunter got that deal. Once again, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number three. Biden used his official office to coordinate with Hunter Biden's business partners about Hunter's role in Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. Goes on to talk about, in this cut, how the Biden family got special treatment from the DOJ. There's no question that's the truth. Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number five. Despite these serious allegations, it appears that the president's family has been offered special treatment by Biden's own administration. Treatment that not otherwise would have received if they were not related to the president. Bidens are corrupt. That's the bottom line. This is, once again, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number six. Taken together, these allegations paint a picture of a culture of corruption. Now, here's what we know so far. Through our investigations, we have found that President Biden did lie to the American people 
about his own knowledge of his family's foreign business dealings. Eyewitnesses have testified that the President joined on multiple phone calls and had multiple interactions. Dinners resulted in cars and millions of dollars into his son's and his son's business partners. One more, the last one from Kevin McCarthy. Clearly, clearly abuse of power, obstruction, corruption, all these can be attached to Joe Biden. Kevin McCarthy Lewis, cut number seven. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption. And they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. And yet, here come all these jerk-off Democrats, these jerk-offs. You know they had the balls yesterday to call this a witch hunt? (laughs) We've heard that before. These animals have spent the last six years. Witch hunt is exactly what they've done to Donald Trump. Impeachments, inquiries, the epitome of a witch hunt is what the Democrats have done to Donald Trump for the better part of seven years. And these animals use those two words, witch hunt, to describe what the Republicans are doing to Joe Biden when there's about a thousand times more evidence that Joe Biden did something wrong than Donald Trump. One of those guys is a New York senator who has done nothing to help our state. You never, ever, ever, ever see this guy pop up when we need something. He is a complete piece of shizzle. (laughs) Somehow, he has won time and time again, beat my friend Joe Pinion last time. He's been uh, involved in government here for over 40 years. But I'm going to say this with complete confidence and very little hesitation. Chuck Schumer is garbage. He is a garbage human being and one of the worst politicians in the history of New York. And this asshole spoke yesterday. Chuck Schumer, cut number eight. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. Yeah, I think you're an asshole. The American That's what people I think. want yeah. us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and yeah. uh, witch hunts. That's what I think. The bottom line is, as we've said, <laughs> you can only yeah. accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. Right. Then you get this Liz Warren. Remember this loser told everybody she was an American Indian? <laughs> There's no Indian in her whatsoever, unless Geronimo nailed her when she was a kid. (laughs) You you say I'm Indian. Come here. They called her Pocahontas. She's out there calling us uh, Republicans right-wing crazies. Here's uh, Liz Warren, cut number nine. This is the extremist Republicans trying to figure out how they can use the business of the American people doing the work we're supposed to do as leverage to try to improve their political position. They know that there is no basis for this. Oh, there's no basis for this. I mean, the guy that really comes off sounding really stupid, I mean, really stupid, is the Democrat leader in the House, and that is uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries actually said yesterday, there's not a shred of evidence, not a shred. This is Hakeem Jeffries, another Mensa, cut number 10. There is not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has engaged in wrongdoing. You're a moron. There is not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has committed 
an impeachable offense. You're a moron. There is not a shred of evidence that President Joe Biden has committed a crime. You're a moron. We have tons of evidence, not just shreds, that you, Hakeem Jeffries, are one dumb son of a bitch. So Lee Zeldin, the great Lee Zeldin, puts on his Instagram page yesterday, get ready for this, there is zero evidence of wrongdoing other than texts, emails, WhatsApp messages, whistleblower testimony, Hunter's laptop, Biden video R.E. Shokin, bank records, government documents, phone calls, business meetings, statements of former partners and clients, Hunter's own words. Otherwise, you're right, Hakeem. There's not a shred of evidence. <laughs> I don't care. It's a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Oh, that's what I think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we're up to a fiery start already. Haven't even gotten to the New York Post. You know that Sid Rosenberg and Sid and Friends in the morning? In the New York Post today. Always a big deal. We'll tell you why. We got seven great guests today, too, folks. Come on, baby. Sid and Friends in the morning on a hump day Wednesday. I feel the hunger. It's the hunger. Just keep a man awake at night. Are you the answer? I sure wonder. But I feel you in my appetite. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Go home to mommy.
Got a funny text moments ago from my friend, the minority leader out of Staten Island, the great Joe Borelli. Good morning, Joseph. Get you on uh, the show one of these days soon. And I did see that another good friend of mine, Eric Orich, is about to surrender to authorities in Manhattan. This is a bullshizzle case. And they got nothing. They, they've lied about everything. He doesn't owe the mob all that money. That's a lie. I mean, Alvin Bragg goes out there, and if he wants to get you, whether it's Donald Trump or Eric Ulrich or a host of others, they just don't care. So my uh, my support goes out to Eric Ulrich this morning. He's going to surrender. But the truth is a heavily decent attorney should be able to squash this thing because, you know, they uh, they got nothing on them. They got nothing, and they're squeezing them, and it isn't right. So. Eric, you've got my support. You know, the um, there's something in radio called TSL. And what that is, it's time spent listening. And when, you know, managers and owners look at the ratings, which is the only way we're judged, that's it, folks. That's it. You don't get ratings, you're no good. You get ratings, you're great. And we happen to get the best ratings in this genre by a mile. No one at this station, certainly nobody at WOR, including Mark Simone, comes close to us. We are the ratings king. And time spent listening is part of the whole equation. And we got big numbers with that. And a lot of you folks like Pat and Olga, I don't want to leave anybody out, but a lot of you folks listen all four hours, and we love that, but not most people can't do that, right? They're in the car, on the way to work. They got a 45-minute trip, sometimes a 15-minute trip, and they go in uh, and they shut the show off, which is stupid because if you're sitting at your desk, instead of looking at porn all morning, which Lou does, you can just uh, download the 77 WABC app. It's free, and listen to the rest of the show. So if you get to work at 7 and you want to hear Joe Namath coming up at 840, just download the 77 WABC app. It's free, and you can listen all day. Then back to porn. Then go back to uh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, you can multitask, <laughs> Yeah, sort of. So sometimes our late morning guests, for example, you guys don't hear them. So I got a text at 2 o'clock this morning from our dear friend Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. They build the world's best boilers Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, pavilionTactless.com. Now, he's in Greece, where the weather is sunny and gorgeous. He must have forgotten he's like six hours ahead. He was texting me at 2 o'clock in the morning. And what did he text me? He texted me a story in today's New York Post, which reads, ex-WFAN host Joe Beningo, quote, Jets can still win division without Aaron Rodgers. You watch. And it goes on to say that during an appearance on 770 WABC's Sitting Friends in the Morning, Beningo predicted that the Jets could very well win the division after watching the way they played on Monday night. Quote, they're going to win the division. You watch, Beningo told host Sid Rosenberg, who was much more skeptical of the Jets' success this season. Quote, and when they do, make sure you come and talk to me about it, okay? And all these Jet fans that are freaking crying, go cry all the hell you want. This is the reality of it. So in the New York Post today, they did about um, 
Four or five sitting friends in the morning mentions. Three or four Sid Rosenberg mentions. And the guy that wrote this column is a guy named Christian Arnold. And I'm 99% sure he worked here. He's the guy that ran the board, I think, for Frank Morano and Juliet Huddy. Even did sports. And I liked this kid a lot. I thought he went to ESPN, but I guess he went to the New York Post to do sports. And he listens, of course, to this station. So great job by Christian Arnold in writing this story in today's New York Post. If you missed that epic Joe Beningo conversation yesterday off the heels of the Aaron Rodgers injury, which was national news last night, if you were watching Nora O'Donnell, CBS World News Tonight, Lester Holt, NBC World News Tonight, David Muir, ABC World News Tonight, all three of them had the Aaron Rodgers front and center. In fact, two of them before Kevin McCarthy. So here is um, Joe Beningo on yesterday's show. He says he's pumped to the max. No, we'll start with this one. They can still make the playoffs even after the Rodgers injury. This is Joe Beningo Lewis, cut number 22. Well, let me tell you right now, Sid, I'm going to stun everybody because I am pumped up, okay? What? And I don't want to hear the Jet fans all freaking crying, okay? This is a good football team. And I understand they lost the quarterback. I get it. This defense, they went out there and they kicked Buffalo's ass in the second half. This is a good football team. And you know what, bro? There's no reason this team can't still win the division and go out there and make the playoffs. So then, for some reason, my dear friend of 20-plus years, my former midday partner at WFAN, all of a sudden, unprovoked, felt the need to attack me and my football team. Joe Beningo, cut number 23. I'm going to say this to you. The Jets still can't score. Zach didn't play well last night. They got a special teams touchdown. They got a big kick. Hold on a minute. Who cares? It's one week. Was he any good? No, he wasn't great. Right. Did they gut it out and win the freaking game? Did they win six? But How did your goddamn team do on Sunday night? Not very well. Nobody was hurt in that freaking game. I don't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear it. How did your goddamn team do on Sunday night? Well, my team lost by 40 points to Dallas, who happens to play the Jets this weekend, and they're going to kick your ass. One more, uh, Beningo talks about all the quarterbacks for the Jets. He's seen get hurt along the way. To him, this was no surprise. Joe Beningo cut number 21. All these Jet fans that are freaking crying, go cry. Go cry all the hell you want. This is the reality of it. You should be, if you've been around as long as me, you're not surprised. I saw Namath go down in the preseason. I saw Vinny go down week one. I've seen Pennington get hurt in the preseason. Sanchez, all of it. I've seen it all. I'm not surprised. I'll tell you, for getting a big win last night, you don't sound all that happy, Joseph. I'm very happy. No, I'm very happy. I'm pumped to the max. Yeah, that's a happy Joe Beningo. <laughs> don't run into him if he's not happy. Oh, my God. Just great stuff. Once again, today's New York Post, XWFAN host Joe Beningo. Jets can still win division without Aaron Rodgers. Much like Joe Biden would say, you watch. Watch me. Right. If he wasn't so indifferent to sports, he'd be a good host. I mean, he's got to be a little more fired up. He did mention Joe Namath uh, during that conversation. And, yes, Broadway Joe will join me coming up this morning at 8.40. And I'll say this. We got like four or five great political guests on today, Curtis Sliwa. We got the president, Trump. We got all these fine folks. But if you're Chris Olivero and you run WFAN, and you know that since last Tuesday, one week, one week, this show has had Bernie Kosar, Phil Sims, Mike Piazza, 
Today, Joe Namath and Joe Beningo, which made the New York Post, you can't be all that happy. I, I, I would I would venture to say our guest list blows away Boomer and Geo, and we're not even a sports show. We're not even a sports show. Making friends. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to get to what uh, Jamie Williams, she is an assemblywoman out of Queens. She's a Democrat. But she's on the side of Sliwa and Rosenberg. We'll get to her. There is news out of Floyd Bennett Field in my neighborhood and the possible, the possible uh, entry of the migrants, the illegals. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers and what we pretty much knew yesterday morning was made official around noon after an MRI. That Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers is done for the year after tearing his Achilles on Monday night against the Bills. Rodgers has been placed on the IR and will have surgery to repair the Achilles. Head coach Robert Sala declined to reveal a timetable but indicated their hope is that the four-time MVP and the centerpiece to their blockbuster offseason will stay with the team during his rehab and maybe even coach up Zach Wilson a bit. The devastating injury, of course, sparked speculation about possible replacements under center. The Jets are expected to add a veteran, but as a backup, Salah emphasized that Zach Wilson is the new Who are some of the, some of the names that I've seen here right now? The Washington Commanders backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. I've heard Nick Foles. I've heard that loser, Carson Wentz. Yeah. I've even heard Tom Brady. And how about this one? Oh, every time. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Matt Ryan, I would add to that list. Oh, as well, Matt Ryan. Yeah. Is a popular name. Uh, yeah. those are really the top odds, odds getters in terms of who's. I mean, I heard the Jets are, are really, they're talking to everybody. I mean, even Dan Marino and Bill Sims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see. But again, right? I mean, Salas says it's going to be as a backup quarterback. Uh, they're going with Wilson here as the new QB1. Uh, we'll see how he fares on Sunday in Dallas against the Cowboys after he gets a full week of practice with the first team under his belt. The Jets are currently nine and a half point underdogs there. The Giants, despite their ugly week one result, they're five and a half point favorites right now for their Sunday afternoon matchup in Arizona against the Cardinals. On the diamond, the Yankees swept their day-night doubleheader uh, yesterday in Boston against the Red Sox, taking the first game 3-2 to two before following that up with a 4-1 to one win in the nightcap. Flavor Torres had the big hit in game one, a go-ahead two-run single in the sixth that propelled the Yankees to victory in game two. Carlos Rodon looked like the guy the Yankees paid for in the offseason, striking out nine socks and only allowing four hits over five innings of work. Clark Schmidt gets a start tonight in game three or four with Boston for First pitch, 7-10 p.m. And in Queens, the Mets, victorious as well, beating the Diamondbacks 7-4 in Game 2 of 4 with Arizona. They'll see if they can keep it going. Game 3 against Arizona tonight, set for 7-10 as well. Left-hander Joey Lucchesi scheduled to start. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. Uh, the world's best boat boilers. And I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The loveliness of Paris Yeah, this is where 
I become the biggest dick of the day. Right now, before I get to Jamie Williams, I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Every time somebody mentions Tony Bennett, you have to understand, I love Tony Bennett. I took my father to see Tony at Radio City Music Hall, and it was a wonderful night. I loved Tony Bennett. I loved him. Until somebody made me aware that after he died, he had this conversation with Howard Stern, where he basically blamed 9-11, just two days ago, we commemorated 22 years, on America. You don't believe me? This is about 25 years old. Howard Stern and Tony Bennett. What do you do with these terrorists who blew up the World well, Trade Center? Well, if they didn't have weapons, like he said, they, they don't make them themselves. But who That's are the true. terrorists? Are we the terrorists or are they the terrorists? What? Well. Two wrongs don't make a right. They're the ones who started with that plane flying into the World Trade Center. What do you do? I don't know about that. What? You don't think so? Well, it's another story. I'm, I'm what do you mean? I, what I do you think? You don't, are you one of those conspiracy guys who thinks they didn't fly the plane in, that maybe the government no, they, started? they flew the plane in. But but we caused it. We caused it. Why? Because, because of... they were we were bombing them, and they told us to stop. Oh, they told us. Hmm. They said, "What are you doing?" And they came on stronger, and they said, "Come on, we're going to have to retaliate." No, no, no. They said, "Go give them four times as much." So sometimes when it's they, not clear. So sometimes it's not clear. F Tony Bennett, you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We caused it, Tony Bennett. I left my balls in Kuwait. All right, let me talk to what. Uh, <laughs> is that the B side? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Son of a. Jamie Williams is an assemblywoman out of Queens, and I met her at the first rally, Slee, when I did that Tuesday night at uh, Floyd Bennett Field. And then just two nights later, she actually orchestrated a great rally in the parking lot, Toys R Us on Flappish Avenue, had all the politicians there. And uh, now she doesn't know this. But Rosenberg and Sliwa are about to team up again for rally number three. Curtis is calling this the mother of all rallies coming up tomorrow night. He'll have more details at Floyd Bennett Field. But Jamie Williams is hard at work for us in Queens and Rockaway, uh, in Brooklyn, excuse me. I'm sorry. Here is uh, Jamie Williams. Jamie, good morning. How are you? Hi, good morning, Sid. Thank you for having me again. Oh, uh, you're welcome. I did say Queens. Uh, it is Brooklyn. So you sent me this yes, text you did. yesterday. Yes, yes, both. You sent me this text, and it said, "Hey, Sid, we're doing a media advisory piece on Wednesday, which is today, with our attorney. It's not a rally. We have asked all civic associations reps to be there. Uh, the attorney, uh, civic association reps, tell me exactly, Jamie, what today is all about." So today is basically to inform our civics and the community at large, what, what are we doing, right? We already submitted the letter to the governor, um, sorry, to the president, um, you know, asking to close our borders. We submitted a FOIA request to the governor in which we have not gotten a response. So everything that you're learning, we're learning just like you via the media. So today we are going to be standing there with our attorney for our next steps. There is news that a lease is going to be signed very shortly. Well, we're here to tell them once that lease is signed, we are going to be filing a federal injunction. You know, right? I don't, yeah, I mean, and like a restraining order, I guess. I mean, I, I just had this conversation yesterday with Mike Lawler. Mike is a politician up in uh, Rockland County. Mike very well. Yes, you know, Mike. So, and I said, I go, you know, when they were talking about bringing these illegals, 
up to uh, Rockland County, one of their execs, this guy Ed Day, came out and actually physically threatened Mayor Adams. Now, it sounds a bit rough, but the truth is it worked because not one illegal has been brought to Rockland County. They also did the same thing. They got their attorneys working on it, and they got the injunction, and the city couldn't do anything about it. So there is precedence, Jamie Williams. That has worked before. Why not now? Exactly. There is precedence. And, you know, to be quite frank with you, and for everyone that's listening, the mayor just a few days ago, I want to applaud him for recognizing the issue and how it's going to impact New York City and how it's going to destroy New York City. He said it loud and clear. Every service will be impacted. Uh, but be, be careful before you applaud the mayor, because while he yeah, said it now, was, let's not forget yeah, yeah. for a year he stuck around with his thumb up his ass for calling us a sanctuary city. So be careful. Well, well, well let's not. So let me let me just finish. Right. Let me just finish. Every single service will be impacted and then retracted to defend what he was saying. Retracted at yesterday's press conference. You know, they want to talk about who is organizing to stop this and trying to do this. It's people like you. It's people like me and the people from Staten Island that is organizing to stop this from coming to our communities. Yeah. That's what we're doing. No, you're right. It, it is people like you. I'm very, very proud of you. I, I don't know you all that well, just a couple of weeks, but I'm very proud of you and me. And, of course, really, in all fairness, Jamie, the face, the face of all this is Curtis Sliwa. He has gone to Queens, Creedmoor. He's gone to Staten Island. He was in Brooklyn with us. He'll be back there tomorrow. So for what it's worth, a lot of people don't like him. I don't care. You have to admit, at least in this really hurtful crisis, he has become the face of the opposition, yes? Correct. And guess what? That's the whole thing. People see the negative side, right? Nobody doesn't like him. So would you like your friend who is standing on the wrong side? Or would you go with the other person who is standing up for our communities? This is not, for me, it's not a business. I don't have business with city and state, right? For me, it's not about the election and paying pawns and, and, you know, what is my next step in the political arena? I live here. I pay taxes here. I took an oath to represent the people that live in the 59th Assembly District, which goes from part of Canarsie through Georgetown, Bergen Beach, Mill Island, Mill Basin, Marine Park, Garrison Beach, and the entire entity of Floyd Bennett Field, right? And I stand with the 23rd Assembly District, which is your neck of the woods, because we share Jamaica Bay. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. We do share that, and you do stand there. Again, for folks that don't know, that first rally you put together, Curtis did, going back a few Tuesdays ago, there was Jamie Williams standing right there. And believe it or not, uh, Curtis has a policy where he very rarely, if ever, allows politicians to speak. But there was Jamie standing front row and center with us, a Democrat, by the way. And Curtis allowed you to speak that night because you've been so great, and I mean great on this issue. And let me tell you, even Joanne Ariola, you know, and I know you're friends with her. Her and I have had our differences. We've been fighting for months. She's coming out at 810 this morning because she sent out a blistering piece yesterday destroying the governor, Kathy Hochul. In fact, Ariola called Kathy Hochul despicable. What are your thoughts on that? What are my thoughts on that? Well, let's, let's go into it a little bit further. So instead of the governor using her right as the governor, to do what we need to do for the state.
she's making it an upstate, downstate issue. And we have newly introduced legislation, I'm not going to call names, right, that put in legislation to bar counties from blocking migrants to ease the burden off of New York City. I have a message for our governor, right? Don't put this on local elected officials that try very hard, good, bad, or indifferent, win, lose, or draw, to represent their communities. Be the governor and take the role. Take the role, right? Because I'm sure that my upstate colleagues will not vote for this. You want to strip away every local thing. Well, take your pen, a flick of a pen. Make an executive order. Do that, Governor. Do that. Don't throw it back on, on our backs as local elected that is representing our community. That's a great but job. We will, we will continue to fight this. Because, you, as the mayor said, every single thing will be impacted. Yes, our quality of life will be impacted. All true. Our quality of life will be impacted. Yep, all true. Right? And for the people that are listening, for the taxpayers, taxpayers that are listening, what should you be concerned about? What should you be concerned about right here in this New York City as New Yorkers in this state of New York? Jamie, that is a great job. Uh, I want to thank you very, very much. I wish you luck today. I know you'll be with the attorney, and I don't know who that attorney is, but I hope it goes well. Hopefully we will see you, me and Curtis, tomorrow night. I'm sure you'll be there. You, you will always see will. me there tomorrow night. You will see me. I know we and will. you know what? And guess what? Next time someone sees the mayor, and for everyone who is listening on the mayor's behalf, give him a cigar. Give him a cigar for me, because you can't say one thing at the end of your mouth and then come back to take the press conference to defend what it is you've said, because you know in your heart you're saying what you said is the truth, and that is exactly what's going to happen to New York City. It's going to be destroyed. Agreed. Hey, Jamie, great job, everybody. That is Assemblywoman Jamie Williams, who's become a good friend of Curtis and I. She does a great job. All those neighborhoods in Brooklyn, those are my neighborhoods, folks. You know, there was a special election yesterday. We talked about it on the show in Queens in District 27, and even though David Hirsch never returned any of the 12 phone calls from Curtis Sliwa, a dozen, we still endorsed David Hirsch yesterday. It didn't matter. He got his ass kicked by Sam Berger in that district. So, unfortunately, we did not gain a Republican seat yesterday. I know Nicole Maliotakis probably very upset this morning. Sam Berger, a relatively easy win, a double-digit win over David Hirsch. That wraps up our number one great hour, folks. Great. Jamie Williams, Joe Beningo, Kevin McCarthy, all of it. we got a big hour number two coming your way, including the man himself, the great Curtis Sliwa, and my dear friend, the great Congressman Peter King. And don't forget, coming up at 840 this morning, Broadway Joe, Joe Willie, Joe Name It, the Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, hour number two, coming at you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sitting Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Get down, get down.
You know why me and Lou played this song this morning? Just to make you feel old. This is one of the classic hits from Cool and the Gang. Cool and the Gang is celebrating 50 years. I didn't say 15. I said 50. 5-0. So... Whether it's celebration or this great song or cherish, cool in the gang, celebrating 50 years. Hold on. Hold your horses. Yeah. This is the old cool in the gang from Jersey City, Papa Bell. Followers of Scooey Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam. I love them. I'm able to bifurcate and separate my hate for the Nation of Islam for Farrakhan. For the fact that the old cool in the gang was, like, spot on. Fair enough. I mean, I do the same thing with Bill Bratton. I'm watching Bratton on MSNBC right now, and he was a good commissioner. He wasn't Ray Kelly, but he was a good commissioner. Crime was down. But I heard him say some things about Rudy Giuliani that I'll never forgive him for. In fact, they wanted to put Bill Bratton in the New York Post last month as one of my Sidden friends, one of the 18 people. And I said, no, that son of a bitch, bad mouth, Rudy Giuliani. Yep. And remember, it was Rudy Giuliani in the beginning of his administration. Bratton comes to him, Rudy, I want to meet with Sharpton. He looked at Bratton. He said, you meet with Sharpton, you leave your badge and gun on the desk right here. I'll have a police commissioner by this afternoon. And Bratton understood that Rudy wasn't playing around. Right. He never met with Sharpton. He's the guy who offended him all. Meantime, Bloomberg. Bloomberg gave him $10,000 a month oh. so he could stay at the Carlisle Hotel. And Bloomberg claimed that Eric Adams is doing such a great job with the illegals. Hey, Bloomy, how many mansions do you have in the tri-state area? How about housing them there? How about doing your fair share? What a fagazi. Yeah, Bloomberg has uh, kind of become the new George Soros. I mean, a lot of these situations... Democrats are doing some very untawdry things. The money behind them is from Bloomberg. He's much like Soros. We'll get to all that coming up. Of course, that voice you hear is the man that gets great ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon, huge ratings on the weekend overnights, and arguably does his best work with me every weekday morning at this time. He's the icon, the legend, Mr. Guardian Angels, Curtis Lee. Was so much to get to today, so much. But oh, oh, but please, please, you say the best work. No, the best work was yesterday, you and Joe Benigno. <laughs> that was the best back and forth I've ever heard in my 35 years of radio. And I've heard a lot of good talk, and I've heard a lot of bad talk. You know, they call this the spoken word. That was magnificent. I'm just pissed off at Christian Arnold, who wrote the article in the New York Post. That was my board operator. He I was. made him who he was. He was doing sports also in York, Pennsylvania. He forgot all about the Curtis Lee was Super Sports Spectacular. Well, no, he didn't forget. He loves you, but, of course, I'm number one. So uh, that's true. It is what it is. That's no, true. But he, he also went on, I believe, to run the board for Frank Morano and Julia. correct. That's You're a good correct. kid. You know, not that you mentioned it, we'll play one quick cut just in case you missed it because Beningo oh. was on at 9.30. Whoa, wait, this is better than sex. Guys, <laughs> control yourself, right? This is where he starts yelling at me about the Giants for it's some reason. Joe Luke. Nolan is actually right now having an erection. He probably is. Now, this goes back to yesterday morning at 9.30. Today's New York Post. Curtis Sliwa just made reference to it. Uh, a piece of the uh, Joe Beningo conversation where, again, he yells at me, cut number 23. I'm going to say this to you. The Jets still can't score. Zach didn't play well last night. They got okay. a special teams touchdown. They got a big kick. No, hold on a minute. So, Let me who cares? Ask it's Let one week. Was yeah. he any good? No, he wasn't great. Right. But did they gut it out and win the freaking game? Did they win, Sid? 
But How did your goddamn team do on Sunday night? Not very well. You know, nobody was hurt in that freaking game. I don't want to hear it. There you go. Giants did lose no, by no. 40. You know what that reminded me of? He actually had me stop. And I said, he's right. Super Bowl four. Joe Cap got the Minnesota Vikings in with the purple people eaters. The guy couldn't throw a pass five yards without it going end over end. Now, they lost to Kansas City. Right. But he's right. Great defense. Can get you into the oh, Super there's Bowl. There's no question. And of course, the Vikings lost every Super Bowl. Yeah. All four. Even with Fran Tarkin. Three with Fran Tarkenton. But we've got examples. Uh, the Giants. Uh, Jeff Hostetler beat the Bills. That was a deep bench led team. But don't forget when the Ravens won the Super Bowl the first time, Trent Dilfer was the starting quarterback. And when the Buccaneers beat the Raiders under John Gruden, Brad Johnson was the starting that quarterback. That's correct. We're not talking about Roger Storback, Dan Marino, Tom Brady. So yes, we've seen just okay quarterbacks win Super Bowls when they've got great defenses. But yesterday you did something for my people, the Jewish people. I did speak to Dolph Hykend. He was in Dublin, Ireland yesterday. He was supposed to go to this Andrew Hatred rally. He got stuck coming home from Israel. He couldn't make it. But being the great New Yorker that you are and a friend of the Jewish people, you went in Dolph's stead. But I was very disappointed to hear, Curtis, that once again you there for Dolph Hykend representing my people were not treated all that well no. by my people. No, I got to show up with the shofar, blew it four times, <laughs> you know, for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. I could have said, hey, I donated two to your tribe. You understand that? My sons, Carter, Hunter, Jews, two to your tribe. Didn't matter. They were afraid because... Uh, the organizers definitely are getting pieced off by Eric Adams. They're probably employed in some capacity. The crowd no, was there's screaming. no way. I know some of those guys, Abe Hamra, Borg, and hey, all those guys. So let me get... tell you something. They wouldn't. The crowd was screaming, let Curtis speak. Let Curtis speak. And they would not let me speak. They had every politician under the sun. I wanted root canal. It was so bad. First off, never she schlubby Jews, right? The cops say, you can't use a megaphone. You can't have order. I went up to the cops and said, this is America. Black Lives Matter were here. Would you say that to them? In their face. And all the Jews go, yeah, every Jew at 22, JDL. That's the problem with Jews. They have rallies in which they talk to other Jews. You must get the Gentiles involved or nobody's going to pay attention. They're going to say, oh, Jews complaining again. You know how Gentiles no, I know. that. I know. All right, well, that was uh, disappointing. But I do want to thank you anyway for being there yesterday. That's an important event and Jew hatred. Now, moments ago, I had the assemblywoman out of Brooklyn, Jamie Williams on. She attended both of the rallies that uh, that you watch. You put together one of them, that great Tuesday night rally at Floyd Bennett Field. She orchestrated the second one two nights later that you and I went to. So it looks like Sliwa Rosenberg three. It's like Rocky is about to go down tomorrow night. You told me yesterday, Sid. This will be the mother of all rallies. So tell us about that potential and, of course, a conversation you had the last couple of days with Jamie Williams. First of all, Jamie Williams, the assemblywoman, represents our area, said Canarsie. As you know, I'm the Canarsie kid, Mill Basin, Marine Park, Garrison, uh, Garrison Beach. She actually came to our barbecue for the Guardian Angels every year she in Canarsie. She came to the barbecue? Yeah, that's the headquarters that we have right there. It's a tough crime area. She is walking the gangplank. She's got to deal with everyone at City Hall who's sniping at her. She's got to deal with Hoku who's sniping at her because she's aligned herself with us. So guess what? I'm breaking the cardinal rule. Not the Stan Musial cardinal rule, but the cardinal rule. She gets to talk 
at the Sid Rosenberg Curtis Lee rally. Remember, it's it's us and we because Sid, you made it all happen the last time. It was all your contacts in the Irish Riviera. That's tomorrow, Thursday. You be there seven o'clock. Right at the entrance to the Gil Hodges Bridge, if you're going towards the Irish Riviera, there's the entrance to Floyd Bennett Field. This will be the mother of all rallies. So it's the same exact location yeah. where you put together that first rally on that Tuesday night. Literally right off the street in the park, right when you get over the mill base, the and, uh, uh, Gil Hodges Bridge. Let me tell you what a great family the Sullivans are. Mike Sullivan, who has helped put all this together from day one, said, I'm taking my brother Tom to the airport this morning. He said, Tom has canceled his flight. He wants to be at the rally. I said, Tom is going to talk. Tom deserves to talk. Tom is the Rockaway. You mean tomorrow night Tom is going to exactly. be there? Exactly. He so- canceled his trip to Florida to be the Sullivan family, yeah. the absolute best. They don't Tom's get any got, better. Uh, Tom's got three kids, and uh, his daughter goes to Clemson. His sons go to Alabama and South Carolina. So this poor guy's traveling all the time. And, again, just in case you don't know who Tom Sullivan is, he's run for office twice. He won the last election. It was stolen from him by Stacey Pfeiffer Amato, that bitch. She stole it from him. And he um, he's a guy that actually served in Kuwait and Afghanistan and Iraq. He carried people out of the burning buildings on 9-11. He's a true American hero. And Stacey Amato has the nerve to show up at these rallies and complain when people boo when she stole the election from a true American hero. Let me mention one last thing. We talked about your people forsaking me, Jews, right, who are Democrats. The idiot Republicans, right? My idiot Republicans. Oh, the Jews are Republicans. I am telling you, if Hitler were on the Democratic line running against a Republican, they would say, well, now we know the bad things about Hitler. But, you know, he's a Democrat. This is ridiculous. (laughs) This race could have been won by Hirsch, that special assembly manic race. Twelve times I reached out. Twelve times they told me, no, you're toxic. All you talk about are the illegal aliens. The Jews don't want to hear it. Well, guess what? The Jews voted against you, you schmucks, you putzes. The Asians were the route to victory. I laid that out at Ben's Deli, right in Bay Terrace. <laughs> all of you, Cox, Zeldin, all of you stabbed me in the back. You all worked against me, and look at what you got for Wait, wait a second. A loss. Wait, uh, Cox I know about. Bo Deedle also doesn't go along with Cox. Did you say Zeldin? Exactly. Lee Zeldin? Exactly. I dare him to say he wasn't involved in blocking me from being involved in that attempt uh, Alex, to get Alex, an assembly seat. Justin, I want you to book Lee Zeldin for tomorrow. I'm being serious. Book Lee Zeldin for tomorrow. Lee is one of my dearest, dearest Give friends. Give me a dear friend. These Republicans, I tell you, are my worst no, enemy. No, I believe you. If he blocked Curtis Sliwa, that's going to be a very, well, what very did they have? 18, uh, 18 mockers <laughs> at their rally on Sunday night. 18, we get thousands. What is wrong with you? Do you want to win or do you just run to lose? Oh, our Jews are better than your Jews. The route to victory was the Asians. I could have gone into those neighborhoods. You could have won, Hirsch, but you wouldn't even return my call because you said, oh, the Republican leaders say you're toxic. All you talk about are the illegals. Idiot. That's what everybody's (laughs) talking about, Jews and Gentiles. You lost the election because the Democrats out-hustled you. In fact, Sid, two of the Democratic county leaders were outside the court when I had to go in for the arrest. They said, oh, you're involved in the the Hirsch uh, burger race, right? I said, no, Hirsch won't even return my calls. They said, wow, that's good for us. 
That's great for us. Yeah, it is good for them, and it turned out to be good. Again, 55-44, a double-digit win for Sam Berger over Hirsch yesterday. So, uh, you know, at, uh, at one point I, I talked to you yesterday about Johnny Tobacco. I love John, and he's a great American, and I mean this sincerely. I love him. And we talked about that story on Staten Island where they're blaring these messages and the illegals are getting upset and they're leaving. And he said, look, say what you want, but it's working. Exactly. Clearly it worked. Uh, whatever they did up in Rockland County, Ed Day, that worked. Do you feel like after the mother of all rallies tomorrow night, it'll be the third rally in that area, our second together? Do you feel like there's a legitimate chance, be honest, legitimate chance that these illegals will not come to that part, Floyd Bennett Field, or, or is it inevitable? No, because we have a coalition of Democrats and Republicans. You saw thousands came out at both rallies. Secondarily, we got lawyers in the courtroom. It's a floodplain. Floyd Bennett Field. Look, there's been this rain. You can't house people on Floyd Bennett Field. We're going to use every tool available. Politicians will do what they do. Lawyers will do what they do. I'm the leader of the rebels. I have told you, Sid, what we will do. We will block every highway. We will block the bridges. Let me take you Wait back. a second, but it's not illegal? Of course it's illegal. 1976, <laughs> the cops sit in on the Bell Parkway when they wanted more benefits and better work conditions. The cops listening out there know you blocked the Bell Parkway right at Knapp Street. There was no traffic going either way. Off-duty cops. And no. you think the cops in uniform arrested them? Well, no. Hell no. But, but you do realize, of course, that I'm your brother in solidarity. Yes. We become very, very close. There's not one interview where I don't mention you. Not that is one. Correct. That is correct. But I do draw the line at doing something illegal and getting arrested. I'm just not going to do that. That's okay, because okay. the strategy <laughs> of Nancy Sliwa worked against Alvin Bragg. In fact, even Dershowitz complimented yesterday on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion. Nancy said, Curtis, you're going to plead guilty, and I'm telling the DA we're taking this to the United States Supreme Court. And Bragg's guy, the ADA, said, you know, don't forget it. Just, just let him loose. Wow. We don't want to have to be dealing with Sliwa for the rest of our life. Dershowitz complimented attorney Nancy Sliwa. This is the Sliwa and Sliwa wrecking team. Come on out tomorrow. Democrat, Republicans, independents. We're going to stop them in Floyd Bennett Field. This is the Troika, the trinity of hate against all of us. Led by Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb and Joe Biden. They want to destroy your communities, black and white together. Democrats, Republican, independents. The Sullivan family is leading here as they have in war and peace. And it's Sid and Sliwa's rally. Come on out and I'll tell you exactly what we're going to do. Because I always come with a plan. City Hall, Albany, Washington. UFA number 81 arrest is right around the corner. Too hot lady. Gotta run for shelter. Gotta run for shade. It's too hot. Too hot. Too hot lady. Gotta cool this anger. What a mess we made so long ago. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
Rob Thomas, lead singer of Matchbox 20. This is some of his solo work. I love this song. Someday, on a rainy Wednesday in New York City, Jamie Williams and Curtis Sliwa, both terrific, still to come momentarily. Congressman Peter King, he's nice enough to push back an hour again. Ella keeps screwing him, but when you get Joe Namath coming on, King is, uh, he knows the deal. So King will be here next. At 8.10, we'll talk to... Council lady for my area, Joanne Ariola, making her return. 840, yes, Broadway Joe. Joe Willie, Joe Namath on the Aaron Rodgers injury and what to expect from the Jets. Coming up at 910, there's a new book out, and it uh, it's titled Rogue. Oh, where is the, uh, I actually have it here. Oh, man. I printed it out, and now I can't find it. I hate when I do stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm better than that. Here we go. The name of the book is Rogue Prosecutors, How Radical Soros Lawyers Are Destroying America's Communities. And uh, one of the authors of the book is a guy named Zach Smith. You're going to come in and talk about Alvin Bragg and all these horrible people. And with him is my friend from Victim Rights New York, Jennifer Harrison. And then at 9.30 this morning, another Democrat, Two today. How about that? Jamie Williams and Jennifer Rajkumar, who's an assemblywoman in Queens, too. In fact, she should be there at this rally tomorrow night. She represents uh, that area, which includes my buddy's restaurant, Don Peps, Don Peppy. So Jen will come in at uh, quarters, I should say, at 930. So a huge guest list still to come. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning.
We did celebrate earlier this morning the heavenly birthday for Eddie Money. This is the church. We love this band out of Australia. A Miranda Divine favorite. There's two or three songs we play on this show quite a bit. The lead singer of this band, The Church, is celebrating a birthday today. What is his name? I don't even know. I know. I'm the only one that knows this band as well. Steve Kilby. Steve Kilby. And he's 69. But I asked you to play uh, The Church when you first got here. You were surprised they even knew who they were. I was in shock. Really, I was in disrepair. What is this song that I ask you to play all the time? Um, Under the Milky Way. Yeah, we're going to play that later. Okay. But this is a great job. God willing. God willing, as Gene would say, yes. All right, we uh, we got Peter King. Pete is usually on 8.40 Wednesday mornings, but uh, every now and then, because he's um, he's a good guy and he's smart, he's wanting to push it back an hour if we get a guest that we ordinarily don't get, and that includes Joe Namath coming up this morning. So here he is, my dear friend, the great congressman. I say this all the time in my lifetime, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April. The two best politicians in New York, Rudy Giuliani and Peter King. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. And listen, you know, some of the times they get mad at you and you bounce me around from people, but how can I say no to Joe Will Namath, my guy? What, a, <laughs> what an all time great in New York. He's almost as famous as Sid Rosenberg. Uh, don't get crazy. <laughs> maybe, maybe 50 years ago when he was doing boot by Fabergé commercials, but no, but on a serious note, he is. He's, He's uh, he's a he's divine. He's divinity here. He's a godlike figure. I forget, Pete. I know you're a Met fan, diehard Met fan, Islander fan. Are you a Jet or a Giant fan? Yeah, I don't want to be a donor on this. I've stopped watching the NFL. Oh, okay, that's okay, that's okay. Because you're yeah. mad at guys like Colin Kaepernick, right? No, and also the way the uh, the uh, NFL just turned on the cops during the whole George Floyd thing. They went overboard on that, and yeah, and also the fact they're such hypocrites because they're talking about. Uh, you know, civil rights here in the United States, being well allied with China, which is one of the most uh, you know vicious countries in the world. But you know, you know, I don't give lectures on that. I don't belabor it. That's just my own opinion. I was a fanatical football fan going back to the days of Frank Gifford and Charlie Connolly, and all yep. the way through Sims and everything else. But yeah. Anyway, that, yeah, yeah, that's Giants. me. So, yeah. uh, and again, you know, also, also with the Jets, I was a big Namath fan. Uh, you know, during the years he was Chad Pennington, obviously Chester Verity. No, they were there were some great teams in there. Uh, Curtis Martin, I met him. What a class act! Great guy. So, yep. We go down the list. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's funny. if you're down on the NFL, and all the reasons you gave are legitimate reasons why. I mean, I don't. You know, I I never gave up because I just love it too much, and I decided to be right. selfish. Uh, so I don't blame you. But if you're down on the NFL, you'll probably never watch an NBA game ever again. They're worse. Yeah, they are, and I haven't. You're right. <laughs> wow. And I'm, I, I know I know you love the Knicks. I know you love those 60s and 70s teams. I know you did. Uh, oh, they were phenomenal. I mean, you got, you know, Clyde Frazier, DeBusha, uh, Kenzie Russell, you know, right down the line. Willis That's Reed. Oh, Reed. I mean, no one, no one will ever forget listening to the radio when, you know, when Willis Reed uh, came out with the damaged leg. Because that game wasn't even televised that night. You had to wait till 11 o'clock to watch on television yeah. in, in New York. Yeah, was, uh, no, yeah, I actually had uh, the day after Willis Reed died this year. I was really proud of this. I came to work at 8.30 the night he died. I came back to the office, and, and very few people knew this, because that was the only time I can get Marv Albert. And Marv Albert called that game. And we yep, played that the next morning, and I got huge ratings that day. You know, when you look at it now, I mean, the fact that he just walked out there, scored the first two baskets on, like, five-foot jump shots was, was no big deal. That was the end of the game. At that yep. moment, yep. Every, everyone you know, listening to Marvin on the radio, you knew 
yep. that the Knicks had won the game against a really top team with, you know, Chamberlain and Bauer, Jerry West, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Frazier that day was sick, 36 wow. points and 19 assists for Clyde. So, uh, okay, listen, Pete, this is why you're a great American. You do place the country the state, the city, before even your, your your sports pleasures. That does bring me to a, a story that's uh, not taking place in America, but uh, may in fact uh, affect America, and that is uh, North Korea's leader, Rocket Man, as my friend Donald Trump likes to call him, Kim Jong-un, made his way to Russia and met with uh, Vladimir Putin. I guess he met him last night. They're having meetings today about supplying arms in this war against Ukraine what do you think about that uh, that meeting, and, and, and how important is it, or is it being just overblown by the media because we don't like either one of those guys or countries? Yeah, we have to watch it to see where it's going. I think uh, King Jamun also did this before his meeting with Trump. He likes to play a bit of a game with Russia. But, again, that was you know, before Ukraine. So I don't know exactly what they're planning. You're talking about bad people. you got China, Russia, and North Korea, and you know, they won't do anything you know, to move ahead. And Kim Jong-un is a madman. Uh, Putin is in you know, desperate shape as far as weapons. So, no, that has to be – that's where you hope the CIA is doing its job, that our intelligence sources can have some idea what's going on there. Because, again, there's no definite answers. You know, uh, we don't know what exactly what they're going to do. They may, uh, may not know exactly when, uh, what they're going to do. We have to monitor it, and then we have to follow other countries that they're dealing with to see if any vibes are coming out, any any type of signals at all in, uh, indicating what, you know, what they want. It's uh, – uh, now, South Korea has uh, taken a very strong position. The uh, current president of South Korea is much stronger against the North than the previous one was. He's sort of, you know, knocking out all the talk of conciliation. So it's possible that uh, you know, Kim Jong-un wants some security about that. But I don't know. It's, uh, uh, it's something to watch, which really has to be watched carefully. It's a dangerous world we live in. You know, I hope Alan Dershowitz is listening. I love Alan Dershowitz. I, I really, really love him. He's a... Uh... Great man, great guest, tremendous attorney, but I'm not going to lie. When he talks about how I still vote Democrat, it, I just can't figure it out. And I know he voted for Barack Obama, and there's nobody who cares more about Israel than Dershowitz. And yet he voted for Obama, who, let me remind you, sent pallets of cash late at night to the Palestinians. That money went straight to Hamas to kill Israelis. And secondly, they, the architect of one of the worst deals in the history of this world, the Iran deal which, uh, of course, was John Kerry and Barack Obama. So how Dershowitz could have voted for him, I don't know. And you've got Biden. He was the VP back then. He was all for the Iran deal. And now we find out that two days ago, Pete King, talking about being tone deaf and not caring about the Jews, two days ago on 9-11, on the 22-year commemoration, this president, this son of a bitch, gave Iran $6 billion in a hostage swap. How do you do that on that day? You can. First of all, as far as Alan Dershowitz, you're right. He is a great guy. You know, I must say, you bounced me two weeks ago for Alan Dershowitz. But that, you know, that was just Nellick doing that to me. I know that. That wasn't right. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> uh, Alan Dershowitz is a great guy. He's a good friend. But there are some people who are just inbred. They, they can't get the Democratic blood out of their veins. I mean, I have you know, Irish relatives that do that. You know, they're living like years I, ago. I know, but, you know, he, but he always brings it up. Different. He always brings up these ridiculous social issues. And I'm sorry. I'm pro-choice, just like Dershowitz. I'm pro-gay marriage, just like Dershowitz. But I'm not voting for president to, 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 to keep those in line. That's a state issue most of the time. I want my president to keep us safe and make sure my money stays in my bank account, not to make sure that gays can get married. Alan Dershowitz's rationale behind it is ridiculous. 
Yeah, to me, first of all, I, I think you know social issues can be important, but on the, on the structure and the hierarchy of what a president does, whether we're alive next week is is, is what's really important. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you're dealing with countries like this, and again, you know, Alan Dershowitz. Again, I don't want to get into a debate with Alan because he's a great guy, but like when it comes to Israel, I mean, people who are pro-Israel, I don't see how they can be voting for Democrats. I mean, they are, they undermine Israel. Uh, they uh, that. Uh, you know, the uh, treaty we entered into, or the agreement we entered into with, with Iran, which directly threatens Israel, the way uh, Netanyahu was snubbed when he came here to the country. He spoke to Congress, but uh, again, you know, the White House basically ignored him. Now, this is uh, uh, people, you know, people vote for many different reasons. But to me, because the Democrats may have been your party 20, 30, 40 years ago, you have to realize times have changed. And the issues today that determine whether we live or die, quite frankly, are foreign policy issues, and they, you know, they should be discussed intelligently and be locked into Democrats. Also, an issue like, uh, uh, this whole thing with you know, the migrants coming in, uh, neighborhoods being taken over, uh, undercutting the cops. I mean, you know, it was done to the cops as far as defunding the police. All of, the, all of those issues, they're the ones really of yeah. life and death. Yeah. And uh, you know, they've been on the wrong side now for too many years. Agreed. I remember when uh, Trump won, my brother-in-law, Harry, who's not feeling well these days, and I hope my family, somebody can uh, deliver a message. I texted Harry, he never got back to me. And I love my brother-in-law very much, and my sister, Alana, but they're hopeless Democrats, and I just don't get them. And I remember he once sent me a New York Times column years ago, Peter, that said that Donald Trump lied 300 times in one day. And I said, Harry, stop sending me this stuff, okay? First of all, a lot of those are not lies. They're opinions. He happens to be right. And I don't really care what the New York Times says, because that's like reading Dr. Seuss. It's fiction. It's not real. And then... uh you know, you start to watch this guy in office now, Joe Biden. I don't know if he lies 300 times in a day or a 1,000 times, but he lies about some really bad stuff. I mean, here's a guy that said his son Bo died in Afghanistan. He died in a hospital here in this country. He said that he had a kitchen fire uh, in Maui. It didn't happen. And then the worst of all, what he did a couple days ago, when he didn't come to New York, the first president ever made a speech in Alaska and said he was here the day after on 9-12 and the building looked like the gates of hell. He wasn't even here. To me, that was the biggest despicable lie of all. So I don't hear about Trump being a liar. Nobody lies more about more important things than the guy in office right now. Agree or disagree? No, I, I agree. And Joe Biden has its, a real psychological uh, infirmity here and the fact that he has to put himself at the center of everything. You know, the more tragic it is, the more he injects himself into it, even though he had nothing to do with it. And listen, Sun Bo is a tragic case, obviously. But the thing is, uh, his, his son did not die in the war. His son is, you know, was not a combat veteran. And to bring that up when you're dealing with 13 families who lost their loved ones. I mean, all of us have had some sadness or tragedy in our life. But you don't try to always counter somebody else's tragedy by saying yours was worse. First, even if it's true, you don't bring it up at that moment. I mean, that moment belongs to the people who are suffering, not to you. But then to lie about it, to exaggerate it, to distort it, and just make the whole thing up. And with 9-11, everyone knows where they were in 9-11. Everyone knows where they were those next several days. And uh, to say that you were there, unless he can somehow come up with a, a video, but he was speaking on the floor of the, of the Senate that day. And uh, there was virtually nobody coming to New York, and it was, because it was all locked down. There was no transportation. Uh, I remember uh, I didn't get down until Thursday. We came in with President Bush when he came down. Even then, you know, they weren't certain if President Bush would be flying in there. They didn't know what the conditions were there. Uh, and so for him to say that he was the one who was there, daring into the gates of hell, and you think of those, you know, you know more than 2,000 people who died. There was almost 3,000 people who had family members who were killed that day. 
I mean, it's just uh, incredible. Absolutely. Peter King, uh, you're special. I mean, you have to understand, during this conversation, we talked about the Ukraine, we talked about Russia, we talked about Iran, we talked about 9-11, we talked about Joe Biden. You're great, man, and uh, great politician, Homeland Security, dear friend. Thank you for another wonderful appearance. You'll be back to 840 next week, unless a bigger name pops up. <laughs> by the way, don't forget Joseph Abood. you got to live up to that end of the deal. On <laughs> oh, that's right. Tell Melissa, tell Melissa, I promise I'll take care of it because, quite frankly, while she's adorable and a sweet girl, you don't want to get Zim angry. Is that fair to say? Uh, she's a killer. Right. <laughs> she is. Pete, I love you, pal. Great job. Thank you so much. Okay, Sid. Take, it easy take now, care. Bye. That's the great congressman, Peter King. I tell you, he discusses some really important topics on this show like no one else does. I could talk to 90 people a day about the migrants and Eric Adams and Hochul. In fact, we'll do that next. But Peter King is so valuable because he really pays attention to the world, and he worked it. Homeland Security. Thank you, Peter King. 8 o'clock hour, hour 3 of this special Wednesday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Coming at you. Great Eddie Money celebrating a heavenly birthday today. Eddie died four years ago on this date. I want to go back. One of my favorite Eddie Money songs. Joe Namath canceled. Hard to believe, but he actually canceled over something I said on the Imus in the Morning show in 2003 that his daughter found on Wikipedia, I swear to God. I've been friends with Namath for 30 years on shows together. He's been on my shows, I don't know, 50 times. You've been out to dinners, Super Bowls together. You've heard him on this show with me. It's not a joke. Really, really tight. Great friends. And his daughter runs his whole operation now. She found something I said on Imus 20-plus years ago and canceled. I mean, I didn't cancel on Joe when he was all drunk kissing Susie Colbert on the sideline of Monday Night Football, did I? Well, give me a break. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, everybody, it's just, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, my next guest. Wow. I know, it's hard to believe. I mean, you talk about, we've been together a hundred times. A hundred. So the daughter Wikipedia's me buying something I said, which was gross. 
20 years ago and cancels? Uh, it just it goes along with everything that uh, goes on today. Wait. Oh, wait. You said something when you uh, were 19. Yeah. You're an idiot. You're so, sh- let, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Especially Joe. I love Joe, yeah, but give me a break. That, that guy did in this city and in Fort Lauderdale? Give me a break, what please. One thing to find mm. people. I don't <laughs> Hard to believe. Anyway, when I got to New York in 2016 and I had made the move from sports to politics, not an easy move, not easy. And um, I was lucky because I became friendly with Joanne Ariola. And she invited me to a major event. Uh, Frankie Russo, my guy Frankie Russo, Russo's on the Bay, Cross Bay Boulevard, had a big Republican event. And I, you know, Eric Ulrich, who's getting railroaded right now, Eric, he got my support. He's about to turn himself in. He was there. Nick Langworthy, Tom Sullivan, Liz Pipko, all these folks. But Joanne was the, the, the woman who set it up. She is, of course, a council member in my uh, district, in my community, in uh, Rockaway there, Bell Harbor, that whole area, Breezy, all of it. And, uh, look, she was on a couple months ago. I told her flat out uh, what was going on, what was going to happen at Floyd Bennett. I didn't know. Curtis Sliwa knew. And uh, she kind of poo-pooed it. And that's fine. So there was a little back and forth between me and Joanne, but I've always loved her. She's always been a good friend, and I know, I know she cares about our community. And she sent out a memo yesterday where she took the governor, Kathy Hochul, to the woodshed. I haven't texted Joanne in years. In fact, she had my old Boca number, and I was compelled to text her and say thank you because it was a great job. So with that said, making her return to sit and friends in the morning, Joanne Ariola. Joanne, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? Good morning, Sid. And I'm very happy Joe Namath uh, was uh, upset and didn't come on because that means I would come on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, just imagine if you got angry because I said, you know, Joanne doesn't have whatever I said. I don't even remember at this point. But, you know, you put yourself above that. I appreciate that. And, and look, the truth is uh, the letter, and Curtis was right. He was right. But the letter you sent out yesterday to the governor was absolutely perfect, and you put down in detail exactly how all of us feel. So for the folks who haven't seen that, tell everybody exactly what you wrote. So what we did was yesterday, while I was at City Hall, I received a tweet that said that uh, Kathy Hochul was hopeful that they would sign a lease for Floyd Bennett Field uh, perhaps yesterday, perhaps today, perhaps tomorrow. And that was completely in contrast of what was said. A few weeks ago, Assemblymember Jamie Williams had set up a meeting with the governor's staff. None of our questions were answered. They had the questions in advance. None of the questions were answered. We were still awaiting questions. Just two days ago, we um, we called and were refused a follow-up meeting to discuss updates on the situation at Floyd Bennett Field because in the governor's staff's words, there are no changes and there's nothing more to discuss. Then I see that tweet and and we reach out again and cricket, nothing from the governor's office. Governor Hochul received a letter from me saying that she has betrayed the trust of New Yorkers and she is taking steps to finalize putting a migrant base camp in a flood zone, historical, um, a historical park at, at Floyd Bennett Field and it's unacceptable. She is a liar, and she really just doesn't care about any of us in this city. And that has shown from day one. She is guilty of negligence. Couldn't agree more. I think she's despicable. In fact, she showed up at our gala celebrating 102 years, and uh, my man John Katzmatidis, who I do love, and Cousin Brucey last week, and I actually turned my back. 
I refused to watch her, hear what she had to say. She uh, she has found a way to make Andrew Cuomo, who is a corrupt uh, murderer, she's found a way to make, make him look good. That's how bad she is. She doesn't care. She's up in Buffalo. All she cares about is how much money her husband makes off the Buffalo Bills, and she's corrupt, let's face it. And uh, she doesn't come to the city. When she does, she gets booed at Madison Square Garden. And to just ignore you as if it's not all that important is unbelievable. You made two points there, Joanne that are worth uh, talking about. One is Floyd Bennett Field is a flood zone, which Curtis brought up earlier. You're right about that. And secondly, it is a landmark. It's a national park. Can those two things work in our favor to eventually legally stop this from happening? We are going to have um, a press conference today with our attorney to note that over 30 residents, um, community groups, elected officials, are signing on, and that's across three boroughs, Staten Island, Brooklyn, and Queens, to stop Kathy Hochul from doing this nefarious plan. We will be filing an injunction against opening Floyd Bennett Field and any of our federal properties and, 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 and parks as migrant uh, base camp. Would they put a migrant base camp at Yellowstone, Sid? I don't think so. No. What makes our historical national parks any 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 less than those national parks i've even written a letter to um to mr reed who uh, he, he has uh he's i'm sorry that's his first name i'm trying to find the letter okay it was nelson reed nelson the executive director of national advisory council on historic preservation who oversees any changes to any historic federal site guess what before that takes place they need to contact agencies, contact local representatives, contact the public in the area that surrounds the area in question, and they get to weigh in on the undertaking. None of this was done. When I asked him why, crickets. <laughs> Yet they want to put 7,500 single men into that base. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that makes it even That's worse. I mean, it would be, it would be, it's bad enough if it's women and children. And I don't blame the migrants. I call them illegals. I'm sorry, but they're illegals. I don't blame them. It's not their fault. If I was living in Honduras, I'd run to Queens too. What are you kidding me? I blame Biden first and Hochul and Adams and all these Democrats. Yes, I said Adams. And I would hope that at some point you guys go after him too, because while now he's seemingly on our side, it's way too late because he was at those buses shaking hands and calling us a sanctuary city and was all for this until now because now he came to the realization how bad it is any moron could have seen joanne with open borders this was inevitable it was going to happen so i i don't excuse eric adams he's part of the problem every democrat leader is part of the problem and they're destroying our cities we don't got the money we don't have the space the schools joanne that we take pride in in rockaway oh. beach and breezy and bell harbor what the hell are we going to do with these kids what it comes down to is the taxpayers are paying twice. And the mayor, in his own words, said that he, for the first time, doesn't see an end to this issue. For the first time, he doesn't see a solution to this issue. How can you when you have 10,000 migrants coming in every day? And we sent, we're, I'm part of the Common Sense Caucus led by Borelli and Holden, two dear friends of mine. And we sent letters to the governor, the mayor, the, the uh, president. And honestly, you know, other than having conversations with the mayor, it fell on deaf ears when it came to the governor and the president. And, you know, taking 
state and federal dollars, which is what the administration is asking for, is nothing more than pouring water into a bucket that has a hole in it. <laughs> we need to secure our borders. Illegals are coming from all countries, freely entering our borders from Mexico. No vetting, no information of, of their country of origin. They see flyers that say, go to New York. You'll be taking care of free lodging, free food, free health care. And now the potential for expedited work authorization, who wouldn't want to come to New York right. City? Well, let's talk about that. Let, 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 let's talk about the work authorizations because mm-hmm. Hochul and Adams, again, the two of them, <laughs> they want you to believe that they care about these people and these people should work. It's better for their self-confidence and it's better for us. The truth is, if they were ever going to be honest, and neither one of them can be honest, neither one of them, they don't care about any of that. All they care about is once these people get jobs, they become one of us. And when they become one of us, who can they thank for getting here? Democrats. They'll vote for Biden. They'll vote for Hochul. They'll vote for Adams. So when you hear the mayor and the governor yell and scream, these people need to work, they, they deserve they couldn't give a rat's ass about these people. They want the votes. I know you understand that, right? Of course. Right before I got sworn into the council, there was a vote for anyone who was here, even without citizen citizenship, for 30 days would have the right to vote. And as soon as we were sworn in, the Common Sense Caucus put in, um, you know, uh, legal papers to, to end that. The, the uh, administration has appealed it. I'm asking the administration to pull out that appeal, take away that appeal. People who do not live here don't, are not citizens of this this beautiful, amazing country should not have the right to vote. That is the right of an American citizen. So, yes, it could be twofold. Kathy Hochul and Governor Biden are very deliberate. They don't care about the communities. They don't care about the constituents. They care about who runs Congress and who runs Senate. And right now, Kathy Hochul will pack 110,000 migrants into the city of New York because she doesn't want anyone to go above Westchester because that could stop their plan to unseat Molinaro and Lawler. Guess what? It's not going to happen, Kathy Hochul. It's not going to happen, President Biden, because the voters know what you've done to this city and this state. We need to take the illegals who are freely entering our borders back to Mexico They need to stay in Mexico, and they need to be vetted at the border. We're at a point in this city that we have to put the illegal migrants and some possibly who are seeking asylum back on buses, bring them back to Mexico. And in this particular situation, say, right to shelter for non-citizens, be damned. And work it out at the border. Love and it. until that's done, yep. we're never going to see this. Well, I've, 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 to an end. I've told that to Mayor Adams, and he has said to me that's illegal. I can't do that. I go, what do I care? It, you know what? <laughs> it might be illegal. Who cares? Let the, let the federal government right. sue us. Right. You'll be let a hero. It'll, it'll be illegal. Right. But you'll be a hero because these people should be sent back, Joanne. What a great job here, Joanne Ariola, my councilwoman in, uh, in Rockaway. But I did have Jamie Williams on earlier, Democrat assemblywoman. And I talked about what Ed Day did up in Rockland County, what they've been able to do in in Staten Island. 
there is some precedence that with a real good fight back, and Curtis and I are about to have another rally, a third one coming up at Floyd Bennett tomorrow night, uh, with a good fight back, Joanne, and of course injunctions led by the attorneys. We have seen communities successful in keeping the illegals out. So there is precedent set. Do you have any confidence that inevitably that'll be the case in our neighborhood? I 100 have have confidence because they're breaking the law. Our attorney is positive. He is comfortable. He knows that they are breaking the law by putting resident shelters on properties that are 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 um, historic national parks. Get that? Historic national parks. You can't do anything there. We're talking about the ecology. We're talking about no environmental impact study. We're talking about a park that is utilized. And you want to take 750 single men and put them there. To put it into perspective, that's Breezy Point and Broad Channel combined. That's a town. Now you want to couple that with a 15% reduction across the board. You're going to reduce overtime for the NYPD, which means reduce patrols for our community. You want to reduce the FDNY, which means the city is already burning due to illegal lithium-ion batteries because scooters are running rampant throughout our city. Reduce DSNY, we won't have our garbage picked up anymore. Sid, where is the closest hospital? Even for you in Bell Harbor, it is a hospital healthcare desert. What if something happens? There's no transportation. And the largest reason you mentioned it earlier is because it is located in one of the lowest flood zones. All of our federal parks are. And if the door cracks open for, for Floyd Bennett, then it'll crack open for Wadsworth and Tilden and every other uh, national park within our city. And we cannot allow it. And our lawyer is confident that this is against the law. And I think the city of New York knows that it's against the law. And they know that they'll lose in court. We're going to show them that they were right. But, Sid, we need to do this together. Agreed. We need to do this as one. Yes. And we're doing it bipartisanly. We need the help of radio media, television media, social media, any type of media to get the word out that says we're not going to take it. And we're ready to sit with Mayor Adams with the more moderate, reasonable, common sense members of the city council and really hammer out a good solution to this problem that we have now. Because never before has a locality had to handle a crisis of this magnitude. It's always been handled on the federal level. And, and honestly, President Biden, you're negligent as well. Oh, you're kidding me. President Biden should be arrested. Uh, listen, you were great this morning. Uh, you, uh, the radio side, you got, you got me. There's nobody bigger. So you got me, uh, the rest That's of the right. stuff. I congratulate you on that. I congratulate you on that. Right, thank you. Number one radio show. Uh, well, Good for thank you. you. And I'm glad you're on this morning. And I, I love what you sent to Hochul. I love what you said on this radio show this morning. And you've got me and Curtis and, and the whole area behind you. We are on the same team. And uh, thank you for your hard work. And, uh, just keep up the fight, Joanne. We need you. Excellent job this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'll take care, sweetheart. All right. Take care. That is uh, my councilwoman, Joanne Ariola. She was terrific, but I do have some, well, breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. We're going to go over to our news desk right now. I've been asking for two days, Noam Layden, the question, how is it possible that this guy in Pennsylvania has been able to elude police for almost three weeks? Now he's got a gun, he's got a car. Well, it turns out, not so fast. What's the latest, Noam? 
you have that he's been captured? Escape killer in Pennsylvania <laughs> is in custody. John Miller is actually on CNN right now that, yes, they oh, okay. have they have captured the bad guy in Pennsylvania. He is in custody as we speak. Look at that. You have a story I do not have. I think it's a CNN exclusive. I, I believe so. I haven't. No, no. Excuse me. Brian Kilmeade and Pete Hexeth are mm. discussing it right now, too. Pennsylvania police escape prisoner is in custody. So anybody in that uh, beautiful area up in Pennsylvania, down in Pennsylvania, listening to me right now can take, uh, looks like at least a, a, a breath, a sigh of relief that they have finally caught this guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that these people had to close the windows, the garages, make sure their cars were locked, look over their shoulder when they left the house. I mean, it was just awful. And for, for two solid weeks. Two solid weeks. But again, the news is it looks like uh, Pennsylvania... Danilo Cavalcante is, in fact, in custody after, like Gnome said, for about two You know what, uh, Sid? I, j- I just want to point out that I'm getting some conflicting reports about whether he is in custody or not. Well, I know that Fox has gone with it. Yeah, Fox and CNN have gone with it 100%. So. Hmm, okay. Well, I'm going to text this one source I have and just make a confirmation on well, who it. Who is it? 1010 wins? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean. No, listen, we've been talking with somebody in Pennsylvania the whole time, so yeah. let me see what they say. Yeah, but wow. yeah, that may be accurate. And then we've got John Miller talking about it right now. So John is, uh, he ain't going to go on if it ain't true. So anyway, that is, uh, that is the latest. Are we going to break now? You want to, okay, we'll take a short break. Give me some more Eddie Money on Eddie Money's heavenly birthday. Still a lot more to come, a lot, including Alan Dershowitz. We mentioned Dersh earlier. How does he continue to vote Democrat? How? We'll talk to the great attorney coming up on Sid and Friends in the morning. Hello. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. All right, it's official. I'm watching live footage from Fox News and CNN right now. The Pennsylvania police have, in fact, captured the escaped prisoner. They just cut his shirt off with a pair of scissors. So if you're watching live television, you can see his back. He's got a huge tattoo. In the center of his upper back area, he is in handcuffs. There's about a 1,000 guys there, about a 1,000 cops in Chester County, Pennsylvania. 8.38 a.m. is the local time. And uh, I guess you've got some more information on the capture. Let's go back to our top news guy, Noam Layden. What you're watching is what we're hearing from state police, that he was taken into custody. He's alive. We don't know if any shots were fired. That was, of course, the big worry is that he had stolen this rifle from a garage over the last 24 hours. And for sure, the thought was he would use it if he needed to. Apparently, if he did, we do not have that details yet. But it was in uh, Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, that they took him down. And they're going to give us all the details in about an hour from now. They've scheduled a press conference where they'll lay out how they captured Danilo Cavalcante on what is now day 14 of um, him being on the lam, but no more. Now he's in police custody. Great job, Noam. Thank you so much. Uh, There it is. They got him, escape prisoner in custody in Chester County, 
Pennsylvania. Now, just out of Alan Dershowitz, it is time. It's Wednesday for the Tunnel to Towers update. I was speaking with my dear friend, the CEO, Frank Siller, who joined me just two days ago on Monday to commemorate 22 years since 9-11. Of course, his brave brother, Stephen Siller, Brooklyn FDNY man, died. Now, talking about Brooklyn FDNY, I do want to make mention that Howard Safer, Howard Safer, who was a commissioner for both the police and the fire, Died yesterday. He was a guest on this show many, many, many times. Many times. Howard Saper died yesterday at the age of 81. I want to send my condolences to the Saper family. He was uh, quite a guy. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. This was the Courtney Cox one, right? She jumped up on stage when she was a kid before Friends and started dancing with Bruce to this, Dancing in the Dark. It's the only reason people like it. Because of Courtney Cox? Yeah, because that video. You would never... It's a good song. Oh, please. It's not one of his best, I agree. No, it's down to the (laughs) I'm with you, yeah. Are you kidding? That's all right. But you're right. I mean, Courtney Cox definitely played a big role in... Really? I'll rethink it. Wait a second. Who who had had a, a bigger impression on who? Cox on Springsteen for this song, on or Springsteen on Cox. He became famous afterwards. Oh, now that show was going to have that. The Friends, Friends? show was still going to, yes. Well, she wasn't on Friends yet. She was still a kid. I know that, but yeah. that she would never would have been considered it not for, for popping up on a Bruce Springsteen uh, video. Okay, I I don't know about that. Well, I'm I know just, about that. I'm talking about his from his. No, side. no, you, she did a yeah. She was she was good for that video. From I agree side, with you. Yeah. That song sounds like it was just produced. Oh, calm by one down, of the, God. No, it's not a Springsteen. No, I agree. Song. It's it's, 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 it's it's not it's not Jungle Land or or Born to Run Thunder or Road, Thunder Road. Jungle, yeah, I agree. Those are yeah. Springsteen right out. Well, those of his... those are anthems. They're not even songs. Well, why anthems. Did, he comes close to ending shows with that stupid. I, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> stop yelling at me. I don't call Bruce. I I, I I don't know. I'm offended by what you did about 35 <laughs> years ago, and I haven't gotten over. You it. and Joe Namath. Everybody's yeah. offended. Namath canceled. I can't. Well, whatever. Can I? I don't want to talk about it. It makes me nauseous. Can I come in and kiss you when we get a chance? Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to. Susie Colbert. So. Uh, <laughs> Alan Dershowitz's ears must have been ringing because he was basically the topic of the conversation with Peter King about an hour ago. He is one of the great attorneys, really, in the history of our country. That's how good he is. Cares about the Constitution. I love him. My friend Alan Dershowitz. Dersh, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm great. So you came up in conversation because the uh, president is such a liar I mean, it's bad enough the kitchen fire when he's in Maui. It's bad enough he tells everybody his son, Bo, God rest his soul, died in Iraq, uh, excuse me, in Afghanistan. He died in a hospital in the United States. But then the ultimate whopper, to actually say from Alaska, on 9-11 from Alaska, 
that he was standing outside the World Trade Center on 9-12, and it looked like the gates of hell, when, in fact, he was nowhere near New York. He was in D.C. voting on a resolution. How in God's name, Democrat or not, can you vote for this man? Well, I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for, but I know he, he desecrated 9-11, Alan. He, you can't I use... Know, but he should not be impeached. That's the key point. He, he, you don't get impeached for lying, for creating a culture of corruption, for having a double standard in relation to your son's criminal problems. Those are all good reasons. You're right to vote against somebody, but they're not good reasons to impeach. And that's why I am as opposed to the supposed impeachment of Joe Biden as I was to the impeachments of Donald Trump. I, I have a single standard. And the standard is not met for either of them under the Constitution. Neither of them have committed treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Americans should vote for who they think is the least good president or the least worst president. And the factors you've mentioned should be taken into consideration by all voters. But we shouldn't try to be denying voters the right to vote, either by impeaching Biden or by disqualifying Trump under the 14th Amendment. Both are as wrong as could be. And both Democrats and Republicans are playing tit for tat with the Constitution. They're weaponizing the Constitution for their political purposes. You do the right thing. You point out the problems with Biden. That's fine. And people will vote one way or the other. But we should not be using the Constitution to prevent people like us, from voting the way we choose to vote. All very fair, all very smart. That's why you got to get the book Get Trump, because my friend Alan here predicted exactly what happened to Donald That's Trump. Right. in the. And you have been very consistent. That's the one thing, Alan. And by the way, I predicted the Biden impeachment, too, because I said that what the Republicans did to, uh, or what the Democrats did to Trump, the Republicans will do to Biden. So it's entirely predictable. And I get my predictions right because, I don't use my ideology in making predictions. I use my experience and expertise. So I'm opposed to all these impeachments, as I was the impeachment of President Clinton. You were against that one, too. Yeah, I was in favor of the Nixon impeachment. It's the only one I've been in favor and why would, of. It's expect, the only but, one in American well, history well, that was just. Well, I've got a, I've got a uh, at least I'm trying to, trying to skew towards a younger audience. So explain why, historically, you were for Nixon and not for the rest. Because Nixon destroyed tapes, he paid hush money, he obstructed justice, he was involved in the break-in at the Democratic Party and the cover-up of the break-in, and because Republicans and Democrats alike wanted him impeached. Remember, the reason he resigned is not because Democrats said you have to resign, it's because Republicans said you had to resign. And if we ever had that consensus again, either against Donald Trump or against Joe Biden, that would be a completely different matter. So the Nixon standard, even though he wasn't impeached, he left office under threat of impeachment, the Nixon standard is the gold standard for when we should impeach a sitting president. What if, in fact, this is a hypothetical, Alan, what if Kevin McCarthy and all these GOP folks Produced documents, because they've got a lot of documents now, which certainly yeah. don't look good. But what if they produced no. an actual, I don't know, again, hypothetical, a bank deposit, which showed millions of dollars that directly goes into Biden's account? Yeah. Is that what you need to see to, to be okay with this? And it, and it would have to be during his presidency, not during his vice presidency. Uh, it raises a, a, a question that nobody knows the answer to. Could a sitting president be impeached? 
for committing treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors while he was vice president uh, uh, six years earlier. That's a question that nobody knows the answer to. The answer might very well be yes. But if that kind of smoking gun appears, yeah, I would I would change uh, my view. But I don't think we so far see any smoking guns that lead to treason, bribery. And remember, I won that argument in front of the Senate that you need to have treason or bribery. And Republicans supported it. Now some Republicans are saying, whoops, whoa, we changed our mind. You don't need treason or bribery. It's enough to have a corrupt uh, climate. Uh, that's uh, Congressman Gates is essentially Gates is essentially saying that we have to have one standard, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. And if that standard is met, go ahead. But if it's not met, vote against them. You know, Bill O'Reilly was on this show a couple of weeks ago, and Bill was saying you got all these attorney friends. You know, your friends with Dershowitz and Takapina yeah. and Idala and uh, all the. And it's true. Even Jose Baez is a good friend of mine. And he said, uh, why can't you call them and ask them if, um, you know, in retaliation for what Donald Trump has been having to face with these four indictments, why can't he sue and say that my civil liberties are being uh, put at risk and, and, and all these things are happening to me and it's just not, it's not legal. And uh, Audie Idala came on and said, well, while I agree with that in theory, in theory, it's going to be hard to prove that in court. What do you think? Well, I think it depends. If he's acquitted, then he has a lawsuit. Uh, you can bring a lawsuit for uh, improperly charging criminal cases. I think the easiest person to sue would be the district attorney of New York, Alvin Bragg, because the case that Alvin Bragg bought doesn't even meet the giggle test. It's such an absurd <laughs> case. You could have you could have indicted Alexander Hamilton uh, under the standards that were brought by Bragg. So Bragg, if you're going to sue anybody. You sue Bragg, and uh, because there's no basis for any criminal prosecution there. The other cases, you know, maybe there is. Look, there's something to the Florida case. He did waive a uh, document that he said was classified. He didn't show it to anybody, so he may be able to win on that ground. Also, it's not a smoking gun. It's a smoking cigarette butt because it's not a big deal. You know, presidents have all had classified material in their position, and we know Donald Trump is a show off and. It's not surprising that he would wave a document and say, see, I could have declassified this, but I didn't. But there's no evidence he actually showed it to the reporters. He just waved it in front of them. But that's the strongest case against them. Weakest is New York, and the Washington and Georgia cases will all depend on the evidence. So they don't seem that strong to me. Were you surprised that he wasn't able to come back at E. Jean Carroll being that E. Jean Carroll never talked about sexual abuse. She never talked about, you know, uh, 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 certain sexual acts. She used the word rape over and over again. He raped me. And the jury came back and said, no, he didn't. Now, yeah, they they, they applied some, uh, you know, for Cocta, $5 million charge and some other, uh, you know, uh, obvious uh, charge. But the truth is uh, they said he didn't rape her. So why can you come back and sue her for saying you said I raped you and clearly I didn't? He should be able to. I think that people who make false charges, as was made against me, fortunately, in my case, the woman ultimately admitted, oh, she may have mistook me for somebody else. Uh, But um, if you make false charges against somebody and you destroy their lives that way, you and your lawyers should be subject to lawsuit. And I'm trying to change the law to move it in that direction. 
So do you think at the end of the day that they will get this impeachment done? And do you think they'll have more success than the Democrats had with Donald Trump? It depends on what the evidence shows up. At the moment, the charges that are look, being looked at by McCarthy don't rise to the level of impeachable offenses. But as you say, that hypothetical, if you find the bank deposit, if you find the tape, if you find something else that looks like it's a smoking gun, then impeachment is on the table. But I don't think we're there. I don't think we're going to get there. I make a lot of predictions. So I predict that uh, Joe Biden will not be successfully removed from office via impeachment. 60 seconds to go, Alan. Uh, I'm working with people holding rallies, doing all kinds of stuff to keep uh, the illegals. I know you probably call them migrants. That's okay. I call them illegals out of my neighborhood. I live uh, out in Rockaway, and Floyd Bennett Field yeah, seems yeah. to be the next stop. And, and I, don't, right. I don't blame these people. I don't. God bless them. But I don't want them there. And we've hired attorneys to uh, file injunctions and, and all that stuff to keep them out. If somebody called you to do that, what are the... What are the odds you think you can of of keeping them out of these neighborhoods? Well, I don't believe in sanctuary cities. At least I don't believe in sanctuary cities that break federal law. Um, I mean, you can look, I support your protests. Uh, I know you and Curtis Lee had protests that were quite successful. In fact, we've got another one. In fact, we've got another one coming up together. Rosenberg Sliwa three about to come your way tomorrow night, Alan. Hey, that's that's your right. I defend it. I support it. Um, you know, my family, like your family, were immigrants, and my family included some illegal immigrants who were saved from the Holocaust by my grandfather, who produced false affidavits about jobs available for them. So I start out with a sympathy toward immigrants who are escaping oppression. Now, that doesn't mean you open the gates widely and you put thousands and thousands of uh, people who are here illegally, you've jumped the line in front of people who are here legally and want to get citizenship. So I think we need laws that are sensible and that don't allow for this kind of jumping the line. So, you know, keep up your protests and uh, uh, let the American people decide. But I'm not a big fan of sanctuary cities to the extent that a sanctuary city fails to comply with the federal law under the supremacy clause of the Constitution. So do you hold Joe Biden responsible for this being the terrible job he's done at the border? I think the president is always responsible for any actions that he could have taken but didn't take. And I think that the uh, the Democrats, who are now essentially in control, are responsible for, for the border crisis. Uh, but nobody, not Republicans, not Democrats, have really moved in the right direction of solving it through fast Really? National legislation. We need no, compromise. No. I don't remember uh, any crisis uh, when Donald Trump was president for four years. I remember remain in Mexico, Title 42, building a wall. I don't know, Alan. I don't remember one day, one day where we discussed migrants in New York City when he was president. Do you? There's, there's no question that it's gotten much, much worse. Look, no. We experienced it on Martha's Vineyard. And we, uh, the Jewish community on Martha's Vineyard, opened our doors. Uh, to uh, the people who were coming over and, and gave them food, and gave them medical care. But then the powers that be said, no, we don't want them on the island, and they sent them to Fort Devens in Massachusetts. Look, nobody wants them in their backyard, um, but we have, uh, we have to deal with the problem in a rational and humanitarian way. There are children involved here, too, and we have to protect uh, everybody who comes to the shores of the United States legally or illegally, but we have to do it in a rational manner. 
Fair enough. You're brilliant. I love you. It's another great oh, appearance. <laughs> hey, Alan, thank you, man. I, yeah, seriously, when you, I love when you come on. You're so smart and, and affable, and you're just terrific. Thank you so much. Well, I love coming on. Thank you. Be well. Have a great day. That's my friend Alan Dershowitz. That's a good man right there, folks, and a great attorney. Oh, you know I love this one. This is Downbound Train, or Born in the USA, Bruce Springsteen, Hour 4 coming up. Three great guests. Keep it right here. Downbound Train. I had a job, I had a girl, had something gone, mister, in this world. I got laid off at the lumber yard, Harold and Ben, times got on. Now I work down at the car wash, where all it ever does is rain. Don't you sex discussions to the parents until children are old enough and mature enough to deal with them in school from teachers. Weekday afternoons at 4 after Rudy Giuliani. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Hard to believe as we celebrate heavenly birthdays today, Eddie Money. Real birthdays today. Who did we celebrate earlier? God, I'm getting old. The guy from the church. Right, the church. That uh, Peter Cetera right here from Chicago. And, of course, his own great work. This is Chicago. Hard to say I'm sorry. He's 79 today? Correct. He can't sing anymore either, I don't think. No, he doesn't sing I think he lost his voice. A couple of good um, solo songs. One good woman. He did that song. I think. I think it was Crystal Bernard from the show Wings, I believe. He did a song with Cher too. That was pretty good. Ooh, Peter Cetera. Not bad, Ian. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like Ian. Okay. Crystal. Anyway, wow. Peter Cetera, happy 79th birthday. All right, I got a book in front of me. It is entitled "Rogue Prosecutors: How Radical Soros Lawyers Are Destroying America's Communities." It's uh, written by Charles Stimson. He was supposed to be here. And Zach Smith, he is here. And my dear friend from uh, Victims' Rights here in New York, 
Jennifer Harrison, a brave uh, young lady. Uh, Zach and Jen, good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you. Nice to see you. You know, I was mentioning earlier that uh, while George Soros is kind of known as the guy that funds Antifa and all these other groups and makes sure that his lawyers and politicians and judges all win, I got to tell you who's right on his heels. I'm not sure if he's in the book or not. Mike Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg has become the new George Soros. Every story I see these days that involves some type of shenanigans with the Democrats, the money behind them is Bloomberg almost as much as Soros. Is that fair to say? Well, look, Michael Bloomberg is certainly pushing leftist policies. Uh, George Soros, Mark Zuckerberg, many tech moguls as well. And look, if you follow the money, Sid, what you'll see is that regardless of where it's coming from, they're all pushing the same radical, soft on crime policies that unfortunately everyone in New York knows all too well is yeah. wreaking havoc yeah. uh, in streets across America. Especially Alvin Bragg. I just said Alan Dershowitz on. He said it may be in Trump's best interest if he's acquitted in that first of four indictments to actually come back and sue Alvin Bragg. When I mentioned Bloomberg, Jen Harrison, you shook your head yes, didn't you? Well, he's behind a lot of the um, hypocritical uh, anti-gun groups. I think he put $35 million into an- the anti-gun movement. Um, Shannon Watts, who was one of his protégés and founded Moms Demand Action, who actually came to protest against us testifying that Alvin Bragg was not enforcing the gun laws that they want on the books. Um, she just retired with $14 million. And My- <laughs> Michael Bloomberg is behind all of that. So, you know, they, they want, um, they, they blame uh, mass incarceration, racism, and Republicans for all these gun deaths, but then none of the politicians or Alvin Bragg who don't enforce the gun laws that they wanted on the books. So let's talk about that, John. Let's talk about specifically, Zach, radical Soros lawyers are destroying America's community. If you brought up Alvin Bragg, he's not mm. the only one uh, we saw out in San Francisco. Uh, that uh, DA was, was removed. Right. Um, and that's not the only city, too. So give me a, a little synopsis, if you will, of uh, what exactly this book goes into specifically it's not just new york right no it's not look this is a national movement said there are over 70 soros elected district attorneys in the country right 70 now 70 district attorneys over 70 that's what people don't realize the da race is typically a low profile low dollar affair but george soros and his allies were very they're very smart in some ways they figured out the local elected district attorney is the linchpin to the criminal justice system doesn't matter how many police you have doesn't matter what arrests they make doesn't matter how good or bad the laws on the books are if the da won't bring charges none of that matters and so what we've seen is they've elected uh people across the country that essentially say we're not going to prosecute certain crimes we're not going to seek bail you know there's a big issue in new york right now cash bail i don't have to tell either you or jen uh but you know one of the reasons i appreciate jen's work is what so many of these people forget are victims victims and victims rights that's often the forgotten component and by the way jen mentioned mass incarceration Alvin Bragg, others, they justify their policies saying we have a mass incarceration problem yeah. in our country, yeah. uh, systemically racist criminal justice. That's just not true. Yeah. Over half of the people currently incarcerated today, they're there for violent crimes, of like course. rape, right. robbery, and murder. And it's not just mass incarceration. What they say is too many blacks. I mean, I, you know, everybody is so afraid to say that. You know, I had uh, Dove Hiking on yesterday, and I said, you know, Eric Adams went to Israel to find out how to combat uh, anti-Semitism. He's not going to find Jewish black kids from Brooklyn beating up Jews on the streets of Tel Aviv. He needs to be right here in his own communities. Fact is, overwhelmingly, it's black kids that are beating up Jews. And the fact is that these DAs and these AGs and everybody else are trying to keep black people, innocent or not, out of prison. 
I mean, that's, that's the fact. It goes back to the African-American people. And for some reason, we pander and bend over backwards, white and blacks, to A, uh, make the community look like they're better off than they are, and B, keep even guilty people out of jail. Well, here's the sad irony, Sid, is if you look at who is disproportionately the victims of violent crimes, shootings, and homicides. It's the blacks. It's young black men. Uh, but, but also, make sure you say disproportionately, they also commit the most crimes. They, 14% of the population, they commit about 58% of the crime. Well, the irony, Why don't we talk about that? The irony is these policies that are supposed to help minority community members, particularly young black men, that's who they actually end up victimizing the most. And that's something no one is talking about right, right I mean, now. we know that from Chicago. I mean, give me a break. We, but here, one more time about George Floyd, who for the millionth time didn't deserve to die. But what a scumbag he was. Nine arrests, put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. Hardly the face of any revolution, I would think, in, in any sane country. I know you agree with all of this, Jen. Oh, of course I do. And that's why I'm so glad that this book is out so that people can read about these numbers. And I hope that when they do read it, that they realize that, these numbers don't just represent numbers and statistics. There are real people, real-life consequences, real-life pain and trauma that is lifelong and never-ending for real people like me behind them. Yeah, Jen's boyfriend was murdered many, many years ago, and that's how she started the whole uh, advocate group, Victims' Rights. And it, it pains me, too, because you're like this, Justin. I got a text this morning early from Thomas Kniff. I was supposed to speak last night at an Upper West Side Republican club. I did it last year. Now, uh, last year it was me solo, this year me and Kniff, but I couldn't do it. I'm exhausted. I went to the Giant game two days ago, 9-11, so I didn't go. So I get a, a text from Kniff this morning early, and he said, where were you last night? I needed your help. Now, Thomas Kniff is a guy that served our country. So what if the body is a hero? And he's a brilliant attorney. He represents Daniel Penny, the hero on the subway who didn't kill a black man that day. He protected black subway riders. That's the truth. He's a great guy. He's the guy that lost to Alvin Bragg. Could you imagine? That's like Tom Sullivan losing to Stacey Amato. Could you imagine? Well, one of the things we talk about in the book, Sid, is we go into the background of the movement. And you have to understand, not all, but many of the people who run as rogue prosecutors, they're former criminal defense attorneys. They're former public defenders. And understand, public defenders, criminal defense attorneys, they play an important role in our criminal justice system, but they play a fundamentally different role than the prosecutor. And so whenever you have someone trying to be a criminal defense attorney in a district attorney's role, it just doesn't work, and it wreaks havoc wherever it's being tried. Does the book actually go into how the relationship starts? I mean, does Soros just find out, okay, he's a Democrat or black, whatever it is, so I can get him. Explain to me how all these relationships between Soros and all these people start. So the way we set up the book, Sid, is we spend a chapter going into the ideological underpinnings, the kind of ideological background of the movement. By the way, it's based on the prison abolition movement uh, from the 60s and 70s, a radical Marxist movement. We talk about the funding, and then we highlight eight different rogue prosecutors, their policies, how they came into office, and we have an entire chapter on Alvin Bragg, who he is, his terrible policies, and the tragic consequences. Oh, but he's a DA. You're talking about attorney generals like Letitia James. He's another one. We focused on district attorneys DAs, okay. in our book. Right. What was uh, the guy's name out in uh, San Francisco? Chase Abudi. Right. Uh, and it should tell you how bad his policies were. Uh, even San Francisco kicked him out of office <laughs> right. for being too radical. So let that sink in. Even San Francisco. Who were some other the other six? That so we have George Gascon in Los Angeles. Yep. You have Kim Fox in Chicago, Kim Gardner in St. Louis, Marilyn Mosby in Baltimore, Rachel Rollins in Boston. But 
what happens is George Soros or his allies, they go into these communities. They often set up a pack, a safety and justice pack or a color of change pack here in New York, and they funnel massive amounts of money. We're talking seven-figure-plus donations in many cases to these candidates. And for district attorney's races, that's a tsunami of cash. Uh, and he basically floods the zones. And it's important to understand, when they run for office, many of these individuals say uncontroversial things. We want a fair criminal justice system. We don't want anyone to be incarcerated needlessly. Everybody agrees with that. But what happens when they get into office, it quickly becomes apparent. They mean something vastly different by that than what you or I or Jen or someone on the street would understand it. Zach Smith, rogue prosecutors. That's the book, How Radical Soros Lawyers Are Destroying America's Communities with my friend Jen Harrison. Uh, there is talk on the street, at least, that Soros, in his 90s now, uh, not all that well, getting older, that his son, who's had more visits to the White House than Jill Biden, <laughs> that his son is uh, ready to take over and that his son, believe it or not, is more dangerous than his father. Can you uh, confirm and or deny that? Well, Alex Soros has said he intends to focus more on domestic politics than his father. Uh, he is certainly continuing his father's legacy of backing radical leftist agendas. And so I think we're going to continue to see, uh, you know, this same type of effort coming out of Alex Soros as you did out of his father. So what about you, Jen? You've, uh, you've gained some traction. You mentioned the, you know, the, uh, the Jim Jordan uh, conference here in New York a couple of months ago. You were there. You were part of that. You were the best that day. And the others there, Joey Borgin and uh, Alba, the, the bodega owner. Who's the other lady that turned out to be a backstab? What was her name? Uh, what was her, what's her name? You know what I'm talking about. Just say it. What's we're her not, name? We're not going to talk about her. Uh, <laughs> okay, then don't. Uh, but you were, you were part of that day. Have you gained any more traction since then? Do you feel like People uh, in New York are starting to wake up to it just a bit. Or is it the same old uh, every day? They are because we, you know, we started this movement because um, victims don't want to welcome any more members to our group. We don't want what happened to our families to happen to your family or any any of the listeners' families. And I think that more and more people are being victimized and realizing that it might happen to them. So I'm also really glad for books like this and the attention that's being drawn to DA races because they're not just important to victims where we pay attention. We need everybody to pay attention to local races, especially DA races, because as we saw here, it's not just a local election or local consequences. This actually had national yeah. ramifications with the Trump indictment. Yeah, no one really pays attention. Again, uh, the DA's race, Thomas Kniff, great guy, ran against Alvin Bragg and the AG race, our friend Michael Henry, Ran against Letitia James, certainly Knipp and Henry, uh, much uh, better at that, that position they would have been than, than, uh, Bragg and, uh, and James. So how do you make sure now to Jen's point, Zach, that people get out and pay more attention? It's kind of like the city council races. Like no one's talking about them. Everybody's right. concentrating on Trump and Biden in 2024. But to be honest, here in New York, what's happening this November will affect us more than next November. How do we get people to care about these races? Well, I think doing what we're doing right now is a big step in the right direction. Many people don't understand what the role of a local elected DA is. Many people don't understand what these harmful policies are that are being enacted by Alvin Bragg and other district attorneys, and they don't understand the consequences of their actions. I think it's becoming more apparent every day, but I think making sure to link the consequences you're seeing on the street with the policies that Alvin Bragg has implemented, uh, that's very important to do. How do you feel, Jen Harrison, when you hear somebody like Mayor Eric Adams come out and say, got to tell you, thorough, good investigation, taking a picture of smiling on the street with Alvin Bragg. How do you feel 
when you hear stuff like that. It's sickening, and I don't think that he's doing himself any favors either. He was elected by the people of New York to clean up the streets of New York and keep the people of New York safe, and he knows better than anybody that Alvin Bragg is not doing that. So Eric Adams needs to do his job. He, he needs to save his career, to be honest with you, and stand up for the people of New York and stop putting politics above people. Are you nervous about the illegal crisis? Uh, I don't think uh, out in uh, Suffolk, where you are out in Shorty, Long Island, it's a big deal. You've got your own issues with gangs and MS-13 and things like that. But what are your thoughts on the whole illegal crisis here? Well, I mean, it's hard. I, I actually, we, we do have a problem in Suffolk County. You do? And I actually am working with a victim right now who is a mother of a young girl who was brutally raped by gang members who walked into her home. She's here illegally. She's from Guatemala. Gang members walked into her home at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, brutally raped and near fatally stabbed her, and she was scared that they were going to go looking for her 4-year-old little girl. This woman mustered the strength, fatal injuries, to get up and find her daughter and make sure that she was safe. And she survived, but, you know, by the grace of God and the will of a mother. Um, But she wants to go home to Guatemala. Because this is what she came here for, to, to flee from, you know, this kind of violence. And now it's happening here. Unbelievable, huh, Zach? It is. But you know what's really unbelievable, Sid, is many of these rogue prosecutors have said, and go look at the book, look at the sources we cite, they say they're going to make charging decisions with an eye toward immigration consequences. So in the face of the crisis we're facing right now, district attorneys like Alvin Bragg have said they're going to make charging decisions in an effort not to affect someone's immigration status, not to trigger faster deportation or trigger some other collateral consequences. And so unfortunately, when you hear stories like the one Jen just said, keep in mind, Alvin Bragg has pledged in writing to make charging decisions not to adversely affect someone's immigration status. Um, I mean, what else can you say? He, he is, when you look up the word scumbag in the dictionary, there's Alvin Bragg picture. There are a couple of pages of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe there's more than one. You're right. Uh, Rogue Prosecutor, Zach, where can people get this book and get it now? Because it's a great book and very important. Well, I appreciate that. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble and wherever else uh, books are sold. All right. Rogue Prosecutors, how radical Soros lawyers are destroying America's communities by Charles Stimson and my guest, Zach Smith, and, of course, my friend Jen Harrison. Great job by both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good luck today. Uh, we've got another great guest coming up next, making her debut on Sid and Friends in the morning. She's a Democrat. She was at dinner with us a couple of nights ago at Elio's. Hosted by Keith Kantrowitz, my dear friend, and Paul Carlucci. We're going to talk to Jen Ramkajar coming up next, making her debut right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Happy birthday, Peter Cetera. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty. Sound of the breath fades with the light. I think about the loveless fascination 
Uh, this is the church. I love these guys under the Milky Way. Happy birthday to the lead singer of this group. Whatever his Steve name is. Kilby. Steve Kilby, that's yes. right. Yeah. Great group, go. great song, Under the Milky Way by the Church. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, my friend Keith Kantrowitz, and all my buddies there, Anthony Carone, Paul Carlucci, and Mark, and uh, Mark Simone, it was a great table, uh, Governor David Patterson, a bunch of folks. And uh, we went out uh, for dinner at Elio's. Cat's Matiti's favorite spot, one of his favorite spots. And I met uh, this young lady. She happens to be an assemblywoman from the 38th District in Queens. That's a good area there. Glendale and Ozone Park and Woodhaven. And um, her name is Jennifer Rajkumar. I believe she's the first American Indian female to gain office, uh, that political office, in, in a spot like that, which is a big deal. And uh, she's in the New York Post today. So am I. I'm in the New York Post today because of my Joe Beningo conversation yesterday about the Jets. She's in it with this story. Albany lawmaker is I, New York. Only work visas for migrants, but feds may say otherwise. So here she is making her debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning, Jen Rajkumar, who was at the big gala a couple nights ago. Jen, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. I'm thrilled to be on the number one show. <laughs> now that's how you start. That's how you start. You're no dummy, Jen. <laughs> First of all, what did you think of our big gala last week? That was cool, right? I really I had so much fun. The live music was incredible. The people were great. It was an amazing night. It really was. And uh, you got a chance to meet my friend Lou Rafino, who runs the board for this show, and a few others at the station. And it, it was a great night. It was. And that dinner a couple of weeks ago was great, too. A, a, a variety of people from different businesses and different backgrounds. What did you think of our dinner at Elio's a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. Every, I loved everyone at the table. All right, well, let's talk about you being this uh, rock star. You're in the New York Post all the time. In fact, uh, your text this morning read, I'm in the Post again. <laughs> I think that's like uh, three times in the last six days. And all of it is about this uh, migrant crisis. I'm sorry, but me and Curtis refer to it as the illegals crisis, not the migrants crisis. But that's okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on where we are, what the city has done? So I know you're good friends with Adams. i got to put that out there. I'm sorry, Jim. we got to be transparent. You're very, very tight with the mayor. I was too, but I hold him a lot more responsible for this mess than you do, and I'm not going back on that. What are your thoughts on what we've done in this city so far? Well, first of all, as everybody has already said, we are facing one of the greatest humanitarian crises in our city's history. It's unprecedented. It's draining the social safety net of New York City. Uh, we have all said that. So in the absence of any action from the White House, in the absence of federal action, I believe very strongly that it is time for New York State to take ownership of this migrant crisis and to lead. And that is why I've been in the New York Post so much. Um, I believe this is not just New York City's problem. Um, this is all of New York State's problem. Uh, and that's why I have introduced several pieces of legislation to address this crisis. Um, and so uh, just this week, I introduced a new bill uh, which authorizes the state commissioner of labor to issue New York State work permits to anyone who has applied for asylum. Since the federal government won't issue these work permits, the state needs to step up and do uh, it. Let me tell you why I'm against these, okay? 
and, and believe me, I'm happy that you're, you're, you're involved in this because I really believe this needs to be bipartisan. I do. I've had Jamie Williams on this show a bunch. He comes to all of our rallies. So I really want to see Democrats and Republicans work together. I like you. We've met, and you're a smart lady, and you could be a big help. But here's where they're pulling the wool over your eyes. Your own people are lying to you about these work permits, okay? They don't care about these people working, Jen. There's Americans who need jobs. The fact is, once they start working, guess what? Then they can vote, okay? And who's letting these people into the country? Not my party, your party. So the real truth is, and they'll never tell you this, the real truth is, whether it's Adams or Hochul or all these Democrats who are begging and pleading for these people to work, the bottom line is, when they go to work, they vote Democrat. That means votes. And that's not how they're telling it to the American people or to New York City, and it's very disingenuous. So I'm not for it because, A, I want Americans to get those jobs, and, B, I don't want to incentivize more of these people in all these countries right now to come to my state. All you're doing is incentivizing more people to come. Why in the world, Jen, would we want to do that? Well, first of all, I really appreciate your perspective, and this is the kind of dialogue that we need. So I'm going to put that out there. Thank you. Um, The second thing I will say is that there's a severe labor shortage um, there are so many jobs. There's enough for people who are already here and for new arrivals. Employers are saying, please, we need to hire people. I'll let these migrants work. In the farms upstate, employers are saying, please, let them work. In bakeries in Schenectady, they're saying it. In restaurants in New York City. Um, I also believe that when we deny immigrants this opportunity to work, we're forcing them to rely on public handouts. And that puts a strain on our social safety net. But if they can work, it adds to our tax base. So it, it's, it takes the burden off the city to house and care for them. So I, I view it as just a common sense solution. Um, I care very much about people who are already here, very, very much. But I believe that this will help them, too, because when we allow the migrants to work, it'll take the, the financial strain off the city. So the services for people who are already here won't be cut. So I view it as kind of a common sense proposal. But I will say this, and I think you and I will both agree on this, that I believe that the White House really needs to get control of the border. The southern border needs to be well organized. There needs to be leadership at the border. Jen, you're, uh, you're, listen, you're a, th- you're a thousand percent right. You're not even close to it. You're a thousand percent right. But here's part of my frustration, too, is that I've been calling out Joe Biden From the day he took office, when he made it very, very clear he was going to allow all these people here. They were wearing Biden T-shirts at the border. And his guy, Mayorkas, has lied from day one. And his vice president has lied from day one. She's never been to the border. She went once, the quote-unquote borders are. So my, my, my feeling is this, Jan. You're a very smart lady. How did Eric Adams or Hochul, or the rest of these people not know that this was inevitable when from day one, day one, Joe Biden made it very, very clear he never had any intention of closing the border. If you know that, why would you be surprised as to what's happening today? Let's be honest. Well, I think the mayor has been calling for action on this. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. From day one, he was welcoming them off the buses, calling us a sanctuary city. Come one, come all. I love you. I got four-star hotels. About two months ago, he started getting a little crazy about it because he knows it's coming back to hurt him. It may even cost him his next election. But from day one, Eric Adams was completely on board. You can't just change your mind a year later and expect us to say that's okay. 
All these Democrat politicians, not you, but all of these people, come on, baby, we got you. What hotel do you want? It's yours. We'll kick out veterans. We'll kick out homeless. We'll kick out anybody you want. It's yours. Now they're upset. Sorry, Jen. It's a little too late for that. Well, look, I understand your frustration. I mean, each migrant is taking up $283 a night in hotel costs. Right. So this is costing us a lot. I, I understand you know, your frustration uh, very well. But here's the thing. I mean, I do believe that everyone on American soil, no matter who you are, deserves to be treated with dignity and respect okay. because that is who we are. Right. It doesn't mean open the border to just anybody. But I think that the mayor um, believes in, in treating everybody with dignity. Um, so Does he? I because I, but, you want, want me to, Jen, I can, I can send you a video right now, right now, of a lady on 110th Street in Central Park. I got a video. Sleeping in her own feces. How come she doesn't got a hotel room tonight? If he cares, the mayor, about everybody and all these people, why is she sleeping in her own feces on a park bench in Central Park while some illegal is in a hotel room? Explain that to me. Well, that's very, very troubling, and I think that that's why we have to make sure city services are not cut so we can take care of homeless people like her. But that's why we need common-sense solutions to this to this crisis. Um, I'll say this, uh, and it does warm my heart, because I've thrown some things at you, and I know I get kind of tough, but that's my job. But uh, to your credit, every answer you've given me has been heartfelt. It's been fair, and I genuinely get the feeling that you really do care and, and as I said earlier, whether it's you, Jen, or Jamie Williams, I do believe that Democrats and Republicans, we need to work together in an effort to fix this. Uh, I just don't want to be lied to anymore, and don't tell me how upset you are today when you weren't there from the very beginning. But to your credit, you've uh, you've stepped it up. You've been in the post three times in ten days. You're trying to get some legislation done. I'd imagine you agree that this has to be a, ba- a, a bipartisan effort if we're going to fix it, yes? Absolutely. And and I love speaking with you. I really like you a lot and this kind of dialogue. And there's so many people across the aisle that I love working with. Is that true? Anybody that you're like really close with on the on the right side? Um, a lot of people here and there. I don't know if they want to be outed here. But, you know, <laughs> I, talk, <laughs> I talk to people on all sides of the aisle. I, yeah. I also follow the Republican presidential debate closely. Right. I, and I know there are two Indian Americans now running for president of this country on the Republican side. They're doing great. Oh, I, I, I know one of them is Vivek. Who's the other one? Nikki Haley. Oh, Nikki, right. Yes. yes, you're right. That's right. There's two of them. Did you take any interest, Jen, in that uh, David Hirsch, Sam Berger assembly race uh, in Queens? Or, or not really? I did, yes. I, I endorsed Sam Berger early uh, to get him over the finish line, and uh, and he pulled it off last night. So when you go to Don Pep's, do you get a free dinner every time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I go with you. But yeah. I, I, feel like I, uh, I actually I work so much, I haven't gotten out there. That's a great restaurant. Like, uh, Mike and all those guys are uh, are really terrific. They really are. All right, so before I let you run, this was a great, great debut for you. I'm going to have you back uh, all the time. Seriously, you did a great job. Uh, what does your day look like today? I can tell you tomorrow night, Curtis and me, we're going to hold a rally at Floyd Bennett Field because uh, it seems like the government is moving forward with bringing illegals there. Kathy Hochul has basically said, nah, we're bringing them tough. What does your day look like, and would you be interested in attending a rally like that with Republicans and Democrats coming up tomorrow night? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I will. Let me know. I'll be there. Um, appreciate the invite. Thank you so much. Okay, I'll give you the uh, information that is coming up tomorrow night at Floyd Bennett Field. And thank you, Jen, for uh, hopping on this morning. You did a terrific job. You really did. I look forward to talking to you and working with you in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. You got it. It's a good job there, Jen Rajkumar. Very good. Unflappable. I like that. She never, you know, her tone never changed. Her inflection never changed. It didn't matter what I threw at her. She remained pretty steadfast and pretty good. Good job. It's a great show today, folks. We done. Lou Rufino, excellent job. Justin Ellick, excellent job. And, of course, Noam Layton. Joe Namath. That was cowardly, bro. Cowardly. That's a terrible job, my friend. Terrible job. So I end this show with two words for my friend Joe Namath on the way out. Susie Colbert. Wish I knew what you were